Sports. You are listening to Video Games to the Max. Hello and welcome to another edition of Video Games to the Max. I'm your host, Sean Gomer, and here with me, not Mark Morris. I'm glad to have <laughs> Jeff Young from Analog Stick Gaming here uh, with me today. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing quite well, thank you. Thanks for having so, me on. Oh, man, it's uh, it's awesome uh, to have you on. So uh, you live in, in, in Canada? Yeah. How, how is yeah. it up there at this time of... Well, uh, we've got like a lot of wildfires going on right now. So a lot oh, of wow. the air is super bad. Like um, just like Calgary is just you look at pictures of it and it's just like if it was like screenshots out of like that, um, you know, like Mad Max or even like that, like desert kind of looking area in the new Blade Runner. It looks like that. It's just really, really bad. Even out past uh, Edmonton is just horrific. I saw a a TikTok earlier of just fires literally just right there. So it's 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 pretty scary right now. But uh Otherwise, it's no. Well, um, thankfully, you are surviving that right now and able to to be in here. I appreciate that. Uh, so we are going to get into more Legends of uh, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom talk because you've been playing that as well, Jeff. Uh, some other games we're playing. that got some uh, PlayStation Showcase predictions because that is happening mm-hmm. on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. And a few other things. We're going to talk about all of that. All right. Well... Again, uh, if this is your first time listening or this is your hundredth time listening or watching, we always appreciate you here. Got to do the housekeeping to sell. Well, not really sell anything, but just to get y'all to know where, where you're at and to subscribe or, you know, listen later. So you can't watch live. That kind of varies depending on, obviously, I uh, got to go with, I'm having to rotate guests around. So I have to work around Jeff's schedule. Um, and right now we're live here on a Sunday afternoon, evening, uh, but th- we try to keep it around Sunday, Mondays, but you can watch on Twitch, on YouTube, W2 Network, all of that. You can also just wait till it's on demand on YouTube. If you ring that bell, follow, subscribe, all that you get whenever there is a show, it'll pop up. Obviously there's other things on the channel. It's not just gaming related. So if you like entertainment stuff, movies, TV shows, all that, the relative broadcasting folks got you. I'm pretty sure they're going to have the Fast X review sometime tonight or tomorrow, which I did watch. So I'll have that uh, to talk about, too. And then we'll we also do this on podcasts, which it doesn't come out immediately on the podcast. I have to, I do edit some there. So, uh, you know, it does come out a few hours later or perhaps the next day. But it is there. You just go search video games to the max on wherever podcasts are and you can go subscribe there and whenever we do a show it'll be there for you so with that getting that out of the way jeff how far are you in legends of zelda tears of the king um i don't know my overall runtime i'm pretty far into the story parts i think right now like i'm still kind of going around collecting shrines and all that kind of stuff but in regards to some of the story beats i've done a good number of them i don't know how many of there is um, but I know I have, I think two of the memory cutscenes left. So that's gotta be pretty far, uh, into the game, but, uh, it's absolutely fantastic. 
Oh, so you got you got hooked in the story because all I keep seeing is everybody building stuff. And, yeah, I um, mean, I'm yeah. I'm still doing that as well too. I mean, like it's my biggest issues that I had with with Breath of the Wild was it didn't have your traditional temples. That was a big turnoff for me because that's some of my favorite stuff. And then you've also got like Hyrule just felt a little empty, at least for my tastes. I know a lot of people said that they kind of loved that aspect of it. And Tears of the Kingdom pretty much writes the ship for almost everything that I kind of want from a Zelda game. Like my favorite Zelda is still Wind Waker. I don't think anything's going to change that. But um, I would say this is probably a strong second or third for me. Um, it's just, it's the type of game that you can get distracted by the tiniest little thing. So if your objective is right there and you see it, by the time you get to that objective, you probably could have found four or five things and all of a sudden it's six hours later and you're like, oh, right, I was I was heading in that direction. And it does a very, very good job of balancing that stuff with a lot of new mechanics, a lot of new systems. Um, the building stuff is incredibly fun. And uh, it's an absolutely massive game that I honestly can't believe that Nintendo pulled off, especially as something that's like 16 gigs. And it runs fine, you know, like it's the Switch hardware, it's old hardware. But the fact that they were able, able to actually pull off this game is just a, a technological achievement. It is extremely well done. So like, is this a continuation directly of Breath of the Wild? Like, do you see oh, yeah. some of that? Is there more story in this one than the last game? Like, there was a lot of complaints of the story's kind of not really yeah. there. There's a lot of story in this one, like Breath of the Wild. Like, I honestly couldn't remember. I don't think I can really remember too much of the story of that one, just because, again, how minimalistic it was, which is why, like, I really loved that Age of Calamity, the Hyrule Warriors, because, like, it, it put story kind of first and foremost with a lot of that stuff. And this is a direct continuation of Breath of the Wild. Um, it takes place, I don't know, probably maybe a year or so after. I'm not exactly too sure. I don't know if they actually pinpoint it but it takes place immediately following um it is like i know a lot of people are like oh it's on the same map it's going to be boring it doesn't feel like the same map in in some ways like you'll go to some places and you're like oh I, i've been here i know this place and so on and so forth but they kind of flip things on their head a little ways with kind of the upheaval that's kind of happened so there's like big chasms in the ground and there's the sky islands and stuff so it's got a lot more going to how it uses that map it doesn't feel like the same map. And I think that if you were playing Breath of the Wild right up until Tears of the Kingdom, you would probably have that little burnout of that map. But I mean, I haven't played Breath of the Wild since it came out. So like, I've kind of, you know, wiped the slate clean in terms of like remembering everything. Like I'm going into areas going, oh yeah, I remember this, I remember that and so on and so forth. But there's enough changes to the map and enough diversity to the different tiers of how that map works kind of give that game a lot bigger scale than i think people were imagining because it's not just the sky islands that have been added to the map there's some massive things that you can explore and find so when you're talking about like the new stuff as far as like whether it's the send thing or ultra hand and building stuff like is there does that all work pretty seamlessly with the the switch like you run into yeah i mean or... like the the, the powers that you have this time around, they're not 100% different than what you were kind of doing before. Ascend is a completely different matter. That's a, that's the type of mechanic that I think most developers would be scared to add because like they feel that you could break the game, but they do a fantastic job 
designing the levels so that you can't take advantage of it too much, but you can, in some respects, break the game with certain powers. But I think Nintendo took a look at what everybody was doing with like the Zelda videos and stuff of like people like hitting something and then flying across the map and whatnot, like a lot of the speedrun strats and a lot of like the kind of comical stuff. And they're like, well, let's just embrace that. And so they made a lot of abilities and powers of allowing you to do that. And I mean, the building stuff is pretty cool. Like it's a very like Banjo-Kazooie nuts and bolts type of thing where you're just making vehicles and all sorts of stuff or solving every puzzle with a bridge. I mean, that's <laughs> that has been, yeah, like they'll be like, oh, I need to get over there and I'll build a bridge that's like three times farther than I need to go just because it's so much fun. But yeah, the, the mechanics are all pretty good. I will say the only major gripe that I have with this game is there's... 36 different mechanics across all the different buttons. Or that's, that's what it feels like. It's like if you right. have like 15 buttons, there's 40 things that you can do. So the gymnastics to pull that stuff off can be a little taxing to try and remember because the amount of times I've accidentally thrown a weapon or the amount of times I've accidentally selected the camera when I'm trying to lift something, like it, it can be a bit much. Um, so I think like Breath of the Wild, you could get a younger player in there, no problem. Tears of the Kingdom, I think, requires a level of control or comfortability that I don't know if you're going to get to a younger player, at least in a way that they are going to excel without some assistance, because the controller gymnastics are massive in this game. And that's really like my only major complaint um, from what I've played so far. Like, where does this sit amongst your other games that you've played so far this year? Is this kind of in your top? Um, I mean, it's not going to be my game of the year. Um, I don't think it's going to hit that. Like, if I was to score it right now with, uh, without experiencing the rest of the game, it would be pretty much a 9.5. There's a few little frustrations that I have with it. Um, but it'll definitely be, I think, in my top 10 for the year. It could even be in my top 5 for sure. But uh, no, it's, it's an absolutely fantastic game. There's a reason why I turn on my Switch and, and every single one of my friends is playing Tears of the Kingdom. Like it is, it's one of those games that have kind of shown that you don't need to be the biggest, flashiest AAA game. You just need to make something that resonates with your audience, regardless of its visuals. But uh, no, it's, it's really good. Yeah. I mean, like that's the, the thing that I feel like is they took everything that made Breath of the Wild great and then just kind of expanded upon it and then added things into it to just go, okay, let's just let you do whatever. And I know that's, Probably for some people, like, uh, I don't know if I wanted them to get even bigger in scope. It was already too big. But I think it helps them understand of like, okay, this is what, you know, we kind of want to let them have that freedom with Zelda. Zelda is about experiencing that adventure for yourself. You know, you just had uh, Anuma come on and say that he kind of sees this as a feature of Zelda for a while. Like, are you... Are you you think there's something here for like another game? Well, I mean, they definitely won't be able to um, piggyback off this one again. It would have to be a complete reimagining. Um, so I think that you would have to sacrifice maybe some of the stuff that makes this game what it is so that the other game has an identity. Uh, because otherwise they're going to go, oh, it's just more Tears of the Kingdom. It's more Breath of the Wild. And I don't think they can get away with that again. So it's hard to say exactly how they could go bigger. Um, it's like... I know a lot of people really like the tried and true stuff, you know, like even like the remake of Link's Awakening um, and just like smaller stuff. 
I think that there's a place for both. I think they could have another team. Like Nintendo's been pretty good at letting like third-party companies handle their properties. So I think that that could be a very cool thing because like Ubisoft made probably one of the best Mario games in in years. Um, but yeah, like I think that there is a place for this. I think there is um, a future of being an open-world Zelda game. But again, I, it has to be entirely different. And I think the way you do that is with a completely different art style. And I think that's going to be the biggest departure for the next Zelda is I think you're going to get something. I mean, it's it's likely going to be on the next hardware. So the graphical fidelity yeah. is going to do a lot of that heavy lifting as well. But I think all the stuff that people really love about Tears of the Kingdom, the, the building and that kind of stuff, I don't see that returning. I think that would be too much of a pull of, of a previous idea because that's the gimmick of this game. So the next one needs a different gimmick. If that's co-op, who knows? But I think it's gonna have its own its own type of its own type of magic, I think. And I think it needs that. So whether it's open world or whatever the case is. Yeah, uh, that's my thought too, of just thinking about like, how could you possibly even go higher than what this is? Like this is already feels like how did you get to this? And then how do they expand upon that to add even mm -hmm. more? You already added the sky. I mean, what are you going to do? Let people go like underground in the water. I mean, it's, it's incredible sometimes. Like, like you said, that this is even on a switch to begin with. Um, yeah. It's a massive game for switch. Like if people were intimidated by the scale of breath of the wild, this game is three times more intimidating. Yeah, that's like Breath of the Wild. I, I tried to play it a little bit again, like yesterday, just to be like, was I missing something? And, uh, you know, I might give it more of a, a shot, but I, I didn't want to make that mistake. Obviously, I bought Zelda with the Switch when it came out. Yeah. So it's always oh, it's, it's been there. But it's like, I don't want to make that mistake of spending $60 on something that it doesn't vibe with me. You know, I'm I'm a, like, I love Link to the Past. I like Arcane of Time, all that. But th this was kind of like, it's too open for me. It's like too much. I need, I like open world games a little bit, but I'm, I'm mostly like, give me a little bit of direction, right? Like this is like, okay, go out there, do whatever, you know? Yeah. And, I think, I think the one thing that this game does differently than some open worlds is you can almost see everything around you at almost any given time. Like when you're playing Elden Ring and that, that world itself is massive. You're never right. in a position where you can see the horizon at almost every single point of game. So with Zelda, like it feels like a much bigger, massive open world that we're kind of used to because we get that elevation of being in the sky, being in, in the clouds. And you don't get that with too much stuff. Like, you know, Geralt isn't making some type of like floating harness for him and Roach to like fly up into the sky in Witcher. It's right. all ground-based. And you get some of that sky-based stuff in Elden Ring with various sorts of where you're going and, and all that kind of stuff, but nothing like this. Like, this is absolutely massive. Like, there's so much to explore here, and you see almost all of it at any given time. The draw distance is fairly remarkable, given the hardware. Like, this is a game that, yeah, like, yeah it doesn't run amazing, but the technical stuff that they've done here is is unbelievably impressive and i mean like i also give the give shout outs because like the main reason why this game runs as good as it does is monolith soft the team yeah. behind xenoblade chronicles like they have been nintendo's like smoking gun for the longest time i mean they helped with um like all the splatoon games they've helped with all like the breath of the wild and this game like you go on their their list of the games that they've helped with development and it's staggering to see how important that studio is not to mention making 
what five Xenoblade Chronicle releases for the yeah. Switch. So that team is like that is like I think one of the that's they're my favorite developer by far because of their contributions and the quality of their and it's you see it here in spades. Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy how they've you know they helped on both Zeldas and made that a possibility, and then Zelda Chronicles Three people forget how massive that game is, and you're like, wow, they made that. It runs on the Switch. You don't really have issues with how it runs, and then it was almost my game of the year. Yeah, well, yeah. For, well, I mean, it was for me because I didn't. Uh, you know, I'm not a Dark Souls guy, so Elden Ring didn't go into my. Yeah, my, for that year, but, my yeah. game of the year for that year was uh, Chained Echoes, oh, which yeah. was that um, like almost like Super Nintendo looking uh, JRPG. Uh, the, RPG, the JRPG, yeah. Unbelievably good. But, yeah, yeah it's definitely. People need to take advantage of all that things on Game Pass uh, and play that because it is it's actually um, a, a great throwback RPG for a while. You know, um, I was so excited for Sea of Stars and I kind of just was like, Oh, let me just pop this in. People have been talking about it. And I started playing Chain yeah. Echoes and I was like, you know what? I can wait for Sea of Stars for a while. This is really good. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, sea of, sea of Stars is my next one in terms yeah. of like that kind of stuff. And it's weird because like I'm not a massive JRPG guy, like where right. I'm playing everything, but the stuff that I do play makes it definitely some of my favorite stuff. Oh, for sure. So just to uh get into some uh, you told me you were playing this game called showgunners and I, yes yeah. and no one's talking about this game um it's basically like if you took um uh what is it uh like like smash tv and kind of made it almost like it's like xcom meets smash tv so okay. for anyone who doesn't know what smash tv is it was like a televised blood sport essentially where you hit the cameras were on you had the audience and all that kind of stuff and showgunners is a xcom style game where you play basically as an inmate uh, or it's like people can volunteer. Some are prisoners and some are bounty hunters. And you play basically as Scarlet, who's this bounty hunter who has come into the game to get revenge. And you'll basically take all your turns in an XCOM like manner where you're worrying about whether you're behind cover, your percentages of hit, um, the different weapons and abilities you have. You'll get more people on your team as the game progresses. There's an announcer that shouts all the play-by-play -play stuff. It's super <laughs> bloody. It's super gory. And it is unbelievably fun. Um, it's got every difficulty setting that you possibly want. Um, it's fantastic. It doesn't run great on the Steam Deck but I played about half of it on the Steam Deck before it started crashing too much. Um, and then I just picked up my save back up on Steam on my laptop. And it is just fun. It used to be called Homicidal All-Stars, which is why you'll see imagery um, in the trailer that say Homicidal All-Stars, but they changed the name to Showgunners for marketing reasons. But um, it's fantastic. It's got a demo if you want to try it out, but it's it's definitely worth getting. If, you like, if you're looking for like that XCOM like kind of gameplay it's exactly that it's not similar it's pretty much exactly XCOM. um your characters are not like it's not procedural in that way like you're not like losing a character and then hiring people on their set personalities yeah and um it's like all and what's really neat is like you'll be in a level and then the show host will be like no you're doing this too easy and then he'll drop like acid canisters everywhere or he'll like <laughs> 
turn C4 on, on like all of the walls and you have to get to buttons in, in a certain amount of turns or the whole stage blows up. And then in between stages are like Diablo-like isometric things where you're running around, avoiding traps, talking to fans, your interactions with your fans will, will have a bearing on your sponsors. So if yeah. you're a smart ass, there's a sponsor going, Hey, we're looking for a smart ass. We want you. And then you'll <laughs> click them and then you get a perk on That's like funny. certain things like faster reloading and stuff. It is just really good, really fantastic. I would love to see a follow-up and I think it's only on steam right now. I don't think right. there's plans on I'm consoles. I'm not sure, but, um, it is unbelievably good and no one's talking about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw the trailer and like some of the gameplay. I'm like, oh, this is incredible. <laughs> this is like uh, insane. It's um, it you no, know, yeah, exactly. It reminds me of XCOM, but with like some just crazy stuff going on, uh, which you know you kind of need to add things like that to make it, I guess, interesting more than just the tactical gameplay, folks. So like, definitely uh, the, like you said, the the announcer was just like so over the top. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, and in between um, episodes, you can go into the confessions booth, and they sit in the chair, and then the producer asks some questions about the match, oh, and then wow. there's like dialogue trees. <laughs> like there's, there's some really really neat stuff. One level has like where there's a train going, so then you yeah. have to avoid the train on the turns. And I've like used Scarlet's ability to like freeze an enemy in place on the tracks and then just watch the train just smash right into oh, them. Oh, that's awesome. It's fun. It's super fun. And it's pretty cool if they 20, did get to release that console. Yeah, that would uh, be fantastic because it plays extremely well with a controller. Yeah, they probably, is it a, like an indie studio doing it? I don't know. I'm not 100% too sure. Yeah. I, I they probably want to I guess wait to see on sales and if they'll they'll then put it on console. But it'd be cool if they did um, yeah. before the end of the year. I would probably check it out uh, for sure. Just my laptop is not very uh, gaming focused. So yeah, I'm it's like to the run Steam Deck ran it great up until yeah. it just started freezing at one point, like just instantly in one level. I don't know if it was just that level. But up until yeah. then, it ran perfect. It actually ran better on it than my laptop. And then I just switched to my laptop because it kept reading. Well, I mean, at least you got it. Hopefully, they'll get that fixed at some point. If well, it's not verified know. either. Yeah. So it's oh, not, okay. it's, you uh, know, right? So. Yeah, that's why I've been looking at that uh, Raj Ally for that reason. It's on Windows. Maybe it will run things better than having to do things with the Steam part of it but yeah like it runs windows that's the biggest problem i think for yeah. that type of thing just because that's a resource hog with a lot of stuff right. that in the 1080p screen is going to reduce battery oh yeah that the fact that they said like if you want to run it at anything close to 60 frames it's going to last like an hour it's like well i might as well not be thinking about having this run portably at all because it's gonna die within a moment of basically starting to play it so that's the yeah. only thing that it looks good though. About that. Yeah. I mean, for sure. If you're anybody that's, you know, watching or listening, a big fan of that kind of combat in the game, I think it's worth checking out. Uh literally just called Show Gunners. You can go find that. I think I, I saw it on Steam. So yeah, I mean, any anything else you wanna I know you said one of them was embargo now. Yeah, can't yeah. talk about that one. I got about four days left. Um yeah. But uh, no, like other things and stuff I've been swapping in between like Disney Speedstorm, is that what it's called. Yeah. It's their racing game. And that's been super fun. I mean, the microtransaction stuff is what it is. It hasn't really affected me that much, really at all. 
Um, but I'm surprised at how early, early access this is because I don't think it's got a release date for like a year yet. Yeah. But um, it's been pretty fun. I've been spending some time in that as well. Um, and uh, played a few couple, uh, few, played a couple levels of the one that you're going to talk about here is uh, Bat Boy. Yeah. Um, I've, how, how are you liking it? It's, well, I'm only yeah. about, I just finished the second or the first and second of the bosses well i mean like yeah. there's the first boss and then there's the second and third of like your traditional bosses that you're going to fight so i've defeated three bosses essentially um just looking at how to improve my health and stamina now because i got the seeds but i don't know how to use them yet yeah but that's um, that's where i'm at too i found those shops and i'm kind of like well you don't really tell me what i'm supposed to do with these so yeah like uh, i don't know if there's like a garden we unlock later and then we plant yeah. the seeds and then it creates a thing i'm not sure yet but uh yeah it's it's kind of like a shovel knight meets mega man type of thing yeah, like one exactly. one boss like the the one that does the um the uh, sort of split that sprint dashes yeah he his second form i literally just bounced on top of him like seven times and killed him and yeah it took me that's the technical like the first the first one right the yeah like or, well yeah you've you've well no it's it's the guy that uh he's wearing like blue and gold armor okay and he does yeah, these yeah. like dash attacks at you and you have to and then he throws stuff and the first form i would just jump let him teleport hit down slash and do that about yeah. seven times. But then the second form, I literally just went bounce, 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 bounce on him and killed him in one, in one shot. Granted that was like 25 tries later. Right. Exactly. But, and then I did the exact same thing for the, the girl that you fight next. I basically just yeah. did that dash attack. So I think that's the winning strat, but it's fun. Like, yeah, like it's, it's yeah. It's like shovel Knight meets mega man. Yeah, I, I do like that like each of the levels are varied. They're obviously based around an element that is usually tied into the power of whatever uh one of your the next boss that you're gonna fight, which they technically the the story is pretty simple. It's um this dude, weird warlord comes from wherever and he takes your whole crew of y'all are all some kind of uh crime fighting people at a school or ish. Yeah. And he just takes them all in with him, except for Bat Boy, and yeah, because he that, uses the yeah. bat and like ricochets yeah. that a power, yeah. and then it and hits he, a bird. Yeah, it hits a bird, and then the bird winds up being like your companion kind of thing, and you'll make it has it runs near the messenger a little bit with the jokes that they try to crack, and there too. Um, but yeah, it has the color palette of Shovel Knight with some of the powers from Shovel Knight, and then it has obviously like the Mega Man type bosses, but how you get the powers at the end. And then uh, they do a little tutorial before every next level to show you how to use that power, which I find yeah. actually helpful uh, so that you remember that you have these powers actually. And then obviously they try to put that into like the one I'm in now, which is after the next. So after you beat the girl, you go into this like water level. Okay. And the next one after that's like a fire level. And then you actually mm. start using the, the one where you get from the girl, which is the like hook Find shot it. kind of thing. Yeah, the hook shot. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's I've had fun with it. Um, I don't think it's very long from what it looks like, and I also love the overworld. Looks like Mario three. Yeah, <laughs> and the levels aren't really that long yeah. at all either. Too like they no. don't out. They don't um, sort of wear. You out might die a few times uh, trying to get through each part. Uh, until you kind of figure it out and you go on. And I do appreciate that they have some, 
I feel the checkpoints are kind of balanced for the most part. Yeah, they're really uh, good. Yeah, because there was times I was just like, I hope this is not one of those where they're expecting me to go through and you only get one checkpoint through the entire thing. And they, they actually well, give you quite a few. When they did the baseball, like all the baseball analogies and stuff, and I'm sitting here and I've died and it goes strike two. I'm like, crap, I probably have one life left. And then yeah, all of a sudden exactly. I'm at like strike 15 and strike 16. It's yep. like, okay. I'm like, oh, okay. It doesn't actually like measure you on the, how many strikes you do. Yeah. Um, the fire level also has football players. So it's like, like they, I guess they keep going with the sports theme later on. Oh, nice. But yeah, uh, it seems, yeah. seems pretty, pretty fun so far. Like, yeah, like I had a code just kind of randomly sent my way and I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll check it out. And um, no, it's, it's been, it's been kind of fun so far. I mean, it's like 240 megs or yeah, something like it's, that. It's, so, uh, I mean, like it's you, you kind of get what you like, get. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, that comes out on, on Thursday or Wednesday. So yeah, you, anybody that's been interested in the la the two two weeks that I've talked about it, uh, you can go get it on I think pretty much anything uh, starting Thursday. So mm -hmm. there you go. Um, and I've, I've played more Octopath Traveler. I think I'm in everybody's chapter fours and chapter fives now. Uh, so I'm almost getting there, but it feels like every time I fit, which the stories are amazing in in this game. I don't know if you if you have you. Uh, I played, played the or... first one. Okay. Um, I didn't quite have the budget um, to kind of jump in on this one or the time, really. Yeah. Um, the one thing I'll say to people that play Octopath Traveler on a TV, if you have a 3D compatible TV, turn that 3D mode on and play it that way because, holy crap, do those, like, sort of, like, diorama set pieces absolutely yeah. pop in 3D. But, uh, oh, no, like, cool. I, I really like octopath in regards to kind of what it does from an artistic point um i think a lot of studios are kind of jumping in on that same art style which might kind of dilute that that uh what is it 2.5 hd or whatever they call it yeah the hd yeah yeah because i think there's that um Sukaden game that's coming out that has like the same visual style but well, um, i mean square's no. done it in a lot of their games recently so that's the thing too square's kind of Pushing that oh yeah, along. live alive. They did. They yeah. they swapped it to that too. Yeah, uh, I think they said they didn't want to do it for battle uh, for tactics ogre, but they thought about it. And then obviously mm -hmm. there's a Dragon Quest three remake that still hasn't come out yet. That's gotcha. gonna have it too. So yeah, um, it looked like a fun game. Yeah, I mean it. It's you know it's a lot of it doesn't change from the first one. At least the the battle system and everything. It's uh, the stories are way better in this game. I felt like than the first one. But I'm like 90-something hours in, and I'm just now getting to the Chapter 4s. So I agree yeah. with you on the time commitment thing. Sometimes I'm like, why did I ask for this game again? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, it, it's taken a while, but I feel like it, I dropped off on the first one because some of the stories kind of just were like, ah, you know. Yeah, the stories didn't really yeah. connect. And, I mean, like, it was kind of neat, like, how all the characters had some sense of interaction with right. Like, that game's final battle with how they handled everything, but the interconnection to the storylines just wasn't really there in that way. And I know that was one thing that they addressed in this one because, like, the yes. stories connect a lot better. They actually have interconnected stories with two protagonists, and they have little stories apart from them. They connect them when you know you're fighting, and then they obviously have the final boss part that like that whole final like hour or two 
I haven't gotten to that point yet, but apparently that is just a total interconnectedness. And they also have like little banter, like uh, t- um, tales moments where they kind of like, oh, you press okay. start and they all kind of, they, uh, one of them will talk to another one about something that you just went through. Nice. So it kind of feels like they, they are more in a group, even though when they do those solo stories, they're not there except for when you're actually battling, you know? Yeah, but over, overall, I feel like they really nailed it much better with this one. So it will probably be in my kind of game of the year talk. But, I mean, so was the future Redeemed DLC, which I beat that last week. Uh, that's yeah, I totally have to get back to too. that. Yeah, <laughs> I've had so many codes come in and then Zelda and stuff. And I'm like, I want to get back to it so bad. Yeah, like I'm, I'm the so same good. way with you. That uh, I'm like... Thankfully, there is a little bit of a lull here, and then all of a sudden in June, it's going to explode again. So forget that. You get Street Fighter, Diablo, and then Final Fantasy, and it's going to be... Yeah, ridiculous. just pre-ordered Street Fighter. I'm not big enough for Capcom yet. Yeah. Um, and I've had Diablo pre-order for a while as well, too, just because of all the betas. Right. Uh, I, I'm kind of like just, all right, let's get there. Let's get there until... And and then we'll, we'll see what happens. But all those games are going to be huge... Big, uh, big talkers, big, big movements. And then there's the hours and hours of summer game festival oh, and all god, that stuff. Yeah. So it's like, oh my god, you're either watching video game news or you're basically or, playing or video playing. games, and it's yep. just overlapping. Yeah, I can't wait till they give us a million things to go have to figure out on summer games fest, and then however long that's going to take. They've gotten better about it not being like a whole month long, but yeah, I still feel like it's. Sometimes it's like overbearing how much uh, news you have to parse through. Especially like the one thing I liked about E3 and the only really thing I liked about E3 was how it kind of consolidated everything into like a couple mm-hmm. of days. Because now you have like, you know, the play on game showcase, the PC game showcase. Then you have mm-hmm. the THQ showcase. Like there's everybody and their dog has a showcase now. Yeah. And it makes it really hard for, I think, a lot of those things to stand out because like how many people really watched the Koch media one last year in regards to yeah. what it would have done showing right. just those trailers on like summer game fest. Right. Uh, that's the thing. Yeah. You, I agree with you. I've, I've always had that stance at first when they first announced that I was like, Oh, okay, this is cool. We're just going to get gaming news up the wazoo all the time. And then I'm like, we're about a weekend and I'm like, Oh wow. This is way too much. <laughs> you know, well, there's live streams that have gone over yeah. for the past couple of days as well too. Um, but yeah. a lot of them, they just get lost. Like they're. Just... I had no idea they had the um. What I and I usually watch it. The I forget, it has a name. The cozy game showcase or the, yeah, yeah. It's, I had no idea it was even on because I'm sitting there going, okay, I, I thought everything's going to happen around Summer Games Fest, and now you know, obviously Sony's doing theirs, and then everybody else is going to do them. So I mean, it's good to get out in front of it, but also the hype train is uh you, you kind of got to promote it a little bit too so yeah i mean speaking of you know our what we what we do here as far as you know being part of games meeting all that like we all started somewhere right so like who did somebody get you into playing games did you just watch someone play a game one day and you got into it and then what 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 are some of your favorite genres and I guess some sure. of your best favorite games of all time there. Well, yeah. So um, we'll kind of start from the top there. So yeah, like pretty much like my first console was the NES. That was like the, that was when it was new. 
Right. So like I played like ColecoVision, Atari and all that stuff. I mean, I remember that TV controller where you slid the like little rectangle thing in there with all the different like clicky buttons and stuff. Yeah. So like I, I've been around gaming since all that stuff. Um, and I think in terms of like kind of what got me into gaming, like I think it was just seeing what that stuff was you know, like playing those games, that interactivity of all that kind of stuff. Cause like, it's also like getting lost in worlds. You know, people do that with books all the time. Right. Um, and like I drew up drawing and stuff. So seeing like digital sprites and stuff moving around, like there was a lot of cool um, kind of artistic stuff in regards to that kind of stuff. So that was like a big part of it. Um, and in regards to like my favorite genres and stuff, uh, I'm going to, cheat a little bit with this as well um because like my favorite genre i think is actually a subgenre that isn't actually a genre um and that's Eurojank games um okay they're they're some of my absolute favorite stuff and like these are games that are primarily out of your europe um they essentially don't have the funds to satisfy the passion behind them so games like what's like, like spiders interactive for example greedfall steel rising technomancer bound by flame things like that or even piranha bites with their elix 2 like those types of games like i live for that stuff anytime i see a Eurojank game i'm like i am playing that <laughs> because they're they're usually incredibly well-made games they just lack the polish and budget to kind of get them right. over the finish line so there is a little jankiness to it um but that's one of my absolute favorite genres um otherwise you know i think it's like I love um, like RPGs and stuff. And I kind of categorize JRPGs in there as well, too, because it's just they're all RPGs. It's just where they come from. Right. So things like Witcher 3, um, like Xenoblade Chronicles as well, too. Like that stuff's like big for me. Um, I think like my favorite in the in the genre so far, though, is probably Legends of Heroes, which is like the Trails, um, Trails yeah. of Cold Steel. Um, like Trails of Cold Steel 3 and 4 are 10 out of 10s for me. Like they are two of my absolute favorite games. Like I am so hyped for Trails into Reverie. Um, that's going to be, um, I think, a strong contender for my game of the year just because I love 3 and 4 so much. Um, also like third person games, things like Gears, Resident Evil, stuff where you see your character. I think that stuff's always great because like, it's like seeing my character, especially if there's like costumes and stuff like that. Like that stuff's never right. made sense for me in first person. You know, it's like, oh, get this skin in like Overwatch. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm gonna see it in the victory screen. Like, is yeah, that, yeah, like when I'm playing, it's like like the costume DLC and stuff for like Resident Evil or whatever, where I'm like, okay, Leon has cat ears. I can see the cat ears. Like, it exactly. actually makes sense. Um, so I mean, that kind of stuff's always been kind of weird, but that was like definitely those are definitely like my favorite sort of genres. And again, like third person isn't really a genre. It's like a it's like a type of game because like right. the genres themselves are like yours is like action horror in a lot of ways. Same with Resident Evil. But then you get other third person games that are just Hi-Fi Rush, for example, which is my game of the year right now. Like that's a absolutely fantastic third person game. Yeah, I love Hi-Fi Rush too. So I'm going to have a lot of which one do I end up choosing? Because um, I love, you know, rhythm games and then action games. So you tie it together and it's like, yes, I did this great where I don't feel like I... Like I had an issue with Metal Hellsinger because it's very much tied to, or Crimson the Necro Dancer, where they're way way too tied to the beat. Where man, I can't catch this so far. There but was I a can, rhythm. Yeah, there was a rhythm game that came out a little while ago that was way too focused on the beat, and I'm trying to remember what it was. Metal Hellsinger, like you could at least shoot, yeah. and but if your shots were on the beat, but there's oh, it was a game that I reviewed, um, Gun Jam. 
Gun Jam? Yeah, Gun okay. Jam. That one you couldn't shoot other than on the beat. Oh, wow. So it was just not great. Um, the aesthetic and all that kind of stuff were good, but it's not it's not a game that I'd be like, oh, if you like Metal Hellsinger, you would like this. It's It feels entirely different. Yeah, I mean, it helped too. The Hi-Fi Rush had that like awesome art style as well with all the... Uh, it's one of the, the best-looking games. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> I was like, man, not only does this look good, it plays fun. Uh, the music's great, even with even the stuff that's not licensed, really good too. And the fact that it still like shocks me sometimes that like they just shadow dropped that thing. They weren't marketing the crap out of it. They just okay, it's out, and it's like, wow, this is this is awesome. Yeah, I think you when know? you have an unexpected game like that, that if they would have announced this four or five months prior, people would have been scrutinizing it so much with Xbox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like Starfield, they, they, they can't shadow drop that. The marketing that's tied to that thing is insane. But with Hi-Fi Rush, there was no risk essentially with doing it that way. So like it works for some games. It's not going to work for everything. Like I'm not expecting Sony to shadow drop something because like shadow drop can be a like a news bite as well too. Right. So like it can have that type of press cycle, but it doesn't work for every game. Well, well Sony likes the... You know, promote the crap out of the thing, and then make it into the. It's going to be or the pay next to amazing. promote other people's games. Yeah, exactly. They're not that that way. And that Xbox is kind of like we we just want to get the media share moment for that that cycle. And okay, cool. And if it needs to have the big marketing thing, we'll do it. We'll do it in a weird way by trying to sell you a fridge or whatever. But yeah. each one has its own um, has its own the way they do that. Uh, so. You know, we, we, um, you know, we all kind of, you, you talked about, you know, your favorite genres and everything, favorite games. Did you like grow up reading any kind of game sites or game mags or? Oh God. Yeah. Um, I don't know about gaming sites since the internet was kind of, it, it wasn't really a thing for me growing up. Like right. I'm old. I still remember freaking out when I found out how to disable the dial up modem sounds so that I could go on the computer at night, but gaming mags for sure. Um, game pro EGM PSM was probably my favorite largely because they got artists that I really love like J Scott Campbell, Joe mad, um, Adam Warren. They all did yeah. covers for that stuff. I mean, like, you know, I'm 10 feet from a PSM magazine right now, pretty much that any game any magazine that had a demo disc that was the shit man like yeah because we didn't have the internet to download demos and stuff so like you go to get the magazine official xbox magazine or whatever and there was a demo disc in that thing like oh my god i love those like i wish they still did them because like there was like cheat codes and all sorts of stuff to find hidden things on the discs and stuff like i love watching the the demo disc stuff that giant bombs doing now where they're like going through playstation jam discs and stuff like that or playstation underground and like checking all that stuff out it's such a time capsule yeah i i agree with you i wish that they still did that i love the fact when we had the xbox live arcade stuff that those all had demos so you could play it and find things that you like that you wouldn't otherwise because then you're having to obviously a little bit now it's a little bit easier because you can just watch someone play the game for a while or or game pass or, essentially like all yeah. the xbox live arcade games now are kind of like what what game pass is kind of doing yeah that's true uh, I mean, that's the thing that we didn't have as growing up is you're just reading something and, and having to go on somebody's review. You're not getting to, to play it uh, yourself or watch someone play what is the actual game. So you're like, oh, OK, this is kind of vibes of me. All right, I'll pick it up, whatever. You know, so but like those hype cycles that you got to have with those magazines and things like that are always it was it's still a fun thing uh, for me to go back and think about. But just 
when you would get those discs and be like, oh man, look at all these games here. I don't think I would ever play this if I'm just looking at it at a store, but it gave you the opportunity to kind of see different games. There's uh, tons that, of games yeah. that, that I played the demo of and just like, I was like, this game is absolutely awesome. Yeah. Cause I think there was like a demo for like Mark of Cree. And then right. like I yeah. played that, I'm like, this is actually pretty good. And then I ended up buying Mark of Cree. So like those, those demo discs were great, but it was, we had a lot less choice back then as well. Yeah, too. exactly. Too. We also had the ability to like rent a stuff. Yeah, people will say that, you know, oh, Blockbuster is a dying thing. It's like, it actually was cool to just go. I mean, I, I don't know about now. You know, I don't know if I want to go in the store and be in there for two hours looking at stuff over and over. But <laughs> when you're a kid and you want to, like, play a game, it gave you the opportunity to play a different game every every time you went to Blockbuster. You know, when you didn't have an cool. income of, of yeah. buying three or four $60 games, you were lucky if you got $20 allowance or something. Exactly, yep. So that rents a lot. Ah, uh, yeah, that it was. Uh, it was fun getting to do that. So, when you look at, I guess, gaming today, as opposed to like how when we grew up, what what stands out to you? Like, what what do you enjoy? What keeps you gaming today? Well, like in regards to like gaming, kind of like when I grew up to gaming now, I think with any sort of interest, with when popularity hits it, it becomes something that's less of like a like created to be a hobby and more of like a business so like i remember when games were being made by 10 guys in a room right you know and now we have an assassin's creed game that has like a thousand people working um gaming has kind of evolved so that there's like more diversity with representation which in my opinion is for the better more voices making more video Mm -hmm. games is always great because that's where creativity comes from like the next big mechanic might come from a small indie game out of malaysia right you know right so there's there's some really, really cool stuff happening there. On the other side of the coin, there are some of the negatives that that have kind of come around with this kind of stuff. And that's like business practices, DLC, microtransactions, which can be fine. But most companies kind of overstep and go a bit too far with some of that stuff. And it kind of creates this toxicity towards developers and, and towards publishers and all sorts of stuff. It creates toxicity, toxicity between fandoms for anything, basically. Um, the, I think the biggest problems is that kind of stuff now, like, you know, on that particular thing. I think like gaming back then, if you said a game sucked, people were like, yeah, well, I like it. Now you say a game sucks and you're getting death threats on Twitter from some guy, <laughs> right? Yeah. So like it's it's so stupid with that kind of stuff has grown because like talking about video games back then, it was a very different hobby because you didn't have that um, – kind of being anonymous on Twitter to to type your reply behind something that, you know, if you, it's not something you were saying face-to-face to someone. Right. You know, so it was a little bit different. So I think, like, gaming back then was healthy, clean, and fun in a lot of ways. And now yeah. here it's... The, the, the worst thing you had is uh, when you first started playing online, you had the... Which you do still have now, but, you know, people that wanted to say nasty things to you and you're in, you could just mute it. And that's it. You keep yeah, the playing. Thirteen-year-old like, squeaker playing Call yeah. of Duty, telling me I'm using hacks. I can just yeah. But yeah, it's. I mean, again, social media has has done wonders for promoting stuff. But I think the discussions around games, I think, has has not evolved in a good way. Right. Um, just with that kind of stuff. I mean, and you've gone from playing games from growing up with games to like wanting to write a, to writing about games. You have your own site and everything. Like what made you want to do that and and keep doing well, it? Well, I think it 
for me, it kind of started out as like a mental health exercise because like I have bad ADHD sometimes and a lot of anxiety and a lot of other type of mm -hmm. types of issues. So focusing on something has kind of helped a lot. Um, I lost a lot of my passion for like drawing because uh, I used to draw for like the longest time um, and draw pretty much anything like I, I was rather good at it. Um, but I started doing like Facebook um, reviews on games and stuff. I just had like a little thing called loading last checkpoint and I was going to take that, but it was already used several times over. So I created um, analog stick gaming because I'm generally a console gamer. Like I'll play on PC to a certain extent, but generally with controller, mouse and keyboard very, very rarely. Um, but then I took a, like a, like a writing gig with um, like a site that was looking for like volunteer writers where they're like, we'll give you codes. And then like, you know, like if we go to PAX, we'll like get your PAX tickets and stuff. You just have to get transportation down there and stuff. And I wrote for that site for like, I think like two years or something. Um, and then it just got to a point where I was just getting some criticism that I wasn't feeling was warranted. Um, right. And I'm like, listen, like I'm doing all this voluntarily. If you were paying me, sure. Okay, I would take that a little bit, but I mean, like, I'm literally spending a lot of my money on games that I'm reviewing and getting some games back and all that kind of stuff. So there was that trade-in, and then eventually I was just like, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to do this my, myself, and uh, ended up getting um, uh, Squarespace, um, which is a little bit more expensive than most gaming sites and stuff. But the the ease of use of building a website was what I was looking for, and just using WordPress just wasn't going to cut it. So yeah, I've been building analog stick gaming since 2017, September, around September, around PAX uh, Prime. A little bit after that is when I started um, analog stick gaming. And so for the past like um, like about six years now, five, five and a half, six years, I've been kind of working that off, talking with like a variety of different publishers and developers and stuff. And at first I was kind of buying my own games and then I would get the odd code and stuff and like you know you you kind of do a lot of like the indie codes to kind of get like a lot of the big codes and then like right, once you start exactly. putting four or five hundred reviews or six or seven hundred reviews on a website you start generating some traffic like i think last year i was sitting at about seven to eight hundred like unique visitors every month which is not massive but uh i'm sitting at more than double that now um and i'm starting to get like you know, like when we when I was working at the other site, the biggest codes we were getting were indie stuff. Like we weren't getting anything big. And now I'm getting like on my own. I'm just getting AAA stuff. Like I just got Jedi yeah. Survivor, which was massive. Right. Um, and so like I'm starting to get codes and going that route. And I'm just my my whole intention with Analogs to Gaming was to create something that was a place for me to talk about games because I love talking about games. I love talking about games, podcasts, reviews, whatever. I never made analytic gaming for, for clicks, for yeah. attention or anything like that. Like if I'm going to give uh, Bravo Team a one out of 10 on PSVR, I'm going to give Bravo Team a one out of 10 on PSVR. <laughs> like, I don't care if 17 yeah. people read that review or, or 1700. Like for me, it was just creating that stuff. And like, I try and get things out on embargo if I can, but I'm also working a 40 hour regular job and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So like this is yeah. just a hobby in a lot of ways. If I can make profit and generate income from it, sure. But I don't think I would ever get to a point where I'm making enough to survive. So it is just kind of in the background. So like I'll get stuff on, you know, if I get things early and whatnot, like there's some games I've got a month early. So I've had time to kind of prep mm -hmm. a review and stuff. So I mean, like my Zelda review is probably going to be like at least a month out. 
Like I still right. have a half written review for Marvel's Midnight Suns. I still have a half written review for Hogwarts Legacy. Like there's some games I'm gonna get around to, but I any game I get a code for, that takes priority. Right, yeah. So I got that stuff going. So my next review is a code based game. And then the one after that will be, you know, probably Batboy and then hopefully Zelda and, and whatnot. Yeah, I, we we have a very similar pass there as far as that goes. You know, the site that this podcast is technically with, I did at one point. I had a crew of people. We used to all write reviews. I mean, I still write for 401 Mania and Outer Haven. Uh, you know, last word on gaming I'm with now as well. But I'm the same way as you. Like, a lot of times we're not getting anything early uh most of the time like i got bad boy early but you know other stuff is usually like the day of uh same day that everybody else is buying it they happen to get us the code that day um and actually people should be surprised that that's how a lot of people get codes it's not a lot of people do not get codes weeks out that's ign GameSpot, no sequel yeah everybody else gets the code the same day i got jedi survivor the day before it came out like it was out at 10 p.m and i got it like at the code that morning but um there's some games like um uh, i'm trying to think here like yeah it was like trails of cold steel 4 i had for like a month before it came out yeah nis is really good a lot of times about giving uh but like persona 5 they gave it to us a month out uh but then it's funny because then some of the other games like after that they started giving it to you later because of the whole, uh, they didn't want people, uh, you know, how they are about putting out things early or uh, they didn't want too many people knowing the story and all that stuff. So, yeah. um, but it, it's, it's incredible sometimes how you go your own way and you actually find that it's better than doing it through other people that are just constantly like, like you said, um, criticizing you, but they they don't want to pay you. Uh, and it's like, can you really tell me anything when you're, I'm, I'm here doing this and that, and it's for free. So mm-hmm. yeah, but it, that's, that's a whole dichotomy and on, on the gaming media industry in general, where, you know, it's the bottom of the totem pole and people treat it that way and either pay you peanuts or pay you nothing thinking that, oh, well you love games. So you're going to take your time to write about them. And it's like, yeah, but you don't understand I got to play this game a lot longer than it takes me to watch that movie. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that's, like it's, uh, it takes a while. Like for me, it's like, I, a lot of, like, I don't consider myself a fantastic writer. So I second guess a lot of my stuff. So I'll reread right, and, and edit yeah. and all that kind of stuff for, for days on end. Like there's some reviews that I can pull off in a day. And then most of them are like three to four days where I'm just, kind of going through all that kind of stuff and, and rehashing it and changing it and stuff. Imposter like, syndrome sits in all that. You know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, yeah, like I'm, I was before Zelda and all that kind of stuff, before I was getting codes and stuff, I was like set to review Redfall. So I've got like a partially yeah. written Redfall review. Um, but I mean, I'll go eventually get to that stuff because like I'm not too concerned on the games that I'm playing when I'm putting the code out or when I'm putting the review out. Right. Um, so that's why I like, again, like codes and stuff like that stuff takes priority. Right. No, you're right about that. Uh, you have to, cause that obviously it goes to the publisher and then they, they make that, it can help or hurt you later when you need to ask for a code for them again. But, um, yeah. So speaking of things that are happening in, uh, gaming, lots of 
Uh, feels like you know we're getting close to a, a showcase. So of course the the console war stuff is happening even more uh, than than usual um, at the moment, and that's kind of a little bit of what's been happening uh, this week. It's it feels like in the lead up to this, we have had Jim Ryan on a, in a few interviews. He's talked about a few different things. Uh, one of them being uh, PSVR two sales, where he was asked about by Famitsu about, uh, well, how do you feel about the reactions to PSVR 2? I mean, to be fair to them, they were it was only being sold by Sony itself on its website for a long while. And then they recently, I think like a few weeks ago, started selling them in stores. But, you know, we haven't really heard anything about sales outside of like, I think a comment about, oh, they sold 270,000 in the first, like, I think that was like around launch week sales. But after that, they haven't really said anything. But then you look at the PS5 sales and they're costly telling you how great those sales are. Mm -hmm. So do you think that we should be worried about PSVR 2 and how it's doing? Is it too early? What is um, Is it more about VR as a whole or is it about PSVR 2 just being too expensive? What do you think? I think it's like a combination of things because I don't think... Was Jim Ryan in charge of PlayStation back when PSVR came out? I think that was Sean Layden. That was yeah. Sean Layden. So, sure. like, you've got different leadership essentially on this end of it. And PlayStation VR, much like um, anything Sony has put out apart from its consoles, so the Vita, the PSP, has often been a thing that they look to third party developers to really do the heavy lifting. Cause, like, PlayStation themselves didn't really support PSVR that much. I mean, yeah. like this, this one changed around a little bit when they had the Horizon game launch for it. Um, but yeah, I think it is a little too early um, to, to kind of gauge it. I think the high price of the hardware has kept a lot of people just not wanting to have any part of it. Like when you create hardware that's more expensive than the system that it needs to play, that is a, a problem. So right. I, think if the, if, I think if PSVR 2 takes a price cut, to put it in a, in a place where it is affordable because you can get the Oculus Quest 2 or whatever, Meta Quest 2 or whatever it is, and that is its own unit for pretty much mm -hmm. that price. And like, it makes it a lot easier to get into VR. Cause like, um, I think even Phil Spencer had said that like VR in order for like it to be successful, it has to be accessible. It has to be financially accessible to, to people, which is why Xbox hasn't really pulled it off yet so i think that's the the one big issue is i think it's too pricey right now to hit those mainstream numbers because so you buy a playstation and you're set you buy right. a psvr2 you still need the playstation like there's there's no ifs ands and buts about it so when you have something that's you know 1200 bucks canadian to essentially jump into to experience vr that's really expensive so I don't know. I think VR is definitely going to find its moment. I don't think it's going to find it with PlayStation VR 2. I think that the tech that is there for PlayStation VR 2 is unbelievably cool with the eye tracking and everything that it does. Like all that stuff is fantastic, but cost is one of the most important factors for VR. Um, and I don't think PlayStation's in a, in a good place to kind of do that. And it, it's going to come down the software. I think if we end up getting like Half-Life Alex on there, that's going to move some units. Um, I think if we start getting like, you know, if if Gorilla decides to make like a Killzone VR shooter, great. 
that would probably move some units as well too. Um, I think it just comes down to software. And I think that if Sony does the same thing that they've done before and rely on third party companies to support PSVR or the Vita or whatever, and not help um, grow that library with their own titles, it's just going to be the same thing over. Yeah, uh, that's the thing is they don't have this. Uh, Call of the Mountain is not the co- the killer app that they want it to be. It's it's not something that's going to drive people to go buy PSVR. Aside from the games you mentioned at the price, even even in US, $1,100 is not cheap when you're talking about buying the PSVR with the launch game and then buying the PS5 itself. Even if you're only buying the PSVR, yes, if you go back and look at the equivalency of PSVR 1, cost pretty much the same thing when you add in all the things that you needed to have for it. I didn't buy it until it was on a sale on a Black Friday sale with Astrobot and Moss for like 250 because like you said, when I look at that and that costs more than the system itself for this thing that is probably going to wind up being a gimmick or something that I'm not going to use that often because you're not having these big games come out for it all the time whereas for the ps5 itself you are i'm not i mean maybe not sony itself but sony itself does you know still have its own first party that they're doing a lot of stuff with but i i just don't i think also like you just mentioned the competition is a problem right you have more competition than when the psvr1 was out right? yeah vr have- wasn't nearly as big and i mean valve has their own headset with the index as well too yeah like it's it's a thing of people want what's cost effective and are they going to appreciate what the PSVR2 can do if they get to see it sure but if like you said if they have a meta quest 2 that costs less and they can just hook it up and it's right there and they don't have to have it tethered either mm-hmm. that's going to make it easier for for everybody to play than oh hey let's go buy this thing oh but i don't have the ps5 oh i gotta buy ps5 too like that's a lot you know um the easier you can make something when it comes out for people to get the easier it, it will be for people to accept it and i think also right now in this economy the way it is uh global economy not just the u.s uh asking people to pay 1100 1200 is is a lot that's that's too much i feel like um, I know that the PS fanboys that only care about VR when it has to do something with, with Sony are going to say, oh, but look at all the stuff that they got in there. It's it's equivalent to all these PC great ones that they have. Yeah, sure. But the most, the GQ gamer doesn't care about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I honestly think it's, if it ends up selling as much as the PSVR one, I think that's a miracle. I just, I don't know that it was the greatest thing in the world to sell that only on PlayStation.com when it first comes out because VR is something that needs to be experienced in order for you to understand what yeah. it is. And I think you needed that to be in stores to have people put the headset on and see what that well, the is. GameStop yeah. that um, that's near me or whatever, like a, I think it was like yeah. a month and a half ago and stuff, they had tons of units and they're like, yeah, we're not, we're not selling out anytime soon. <laughs> Yeah, because it's it's just not selling. Yeah, I I just don't think it's gonna sell what they think it is. And honestly, I think VR is it's doing okay, but it's not gonna be this boom that people think it is right now. Anyway, I don't know whenever if we're ever gonna flip that Ready Player One switch, and maybe we are all doing that eventually. But right now, I don't think we're there. (laughs) So yeah, 
an interesting thing that is kind of a backtrack from Sony because it felt like we were actually getting closer to the moment of day and date, right? It felt like we were getting inching ever closer to we're eventually going to, it's not going to be a one-year window. It's not going to be a six-month window. We're going to get maybe maybe a month or maybe even that day uh, launch. And now Jim Ryan has come out. It seems like perhaps we might have to do with The Last of Us port being bad, Maybe not, but it's weird to go from it seems like we're pretty stuck on a year to now it's two to three years that you're going to see a PlayStation exclusive show up on PC. And then, of course, this brought out everybody having their own weird thought on it. Where do you sit on this? Is it it does it actually hurt the console? Does it make Um, people not want to buy a console if your your games are coming to PC that first day? It's hard to say exactly because there's a very different cost market when you're looking at a PC that can run those games how the PC market wants them to run. So you're dealing with like a much more expensive piece of hardware than just a console where you just plug and play. Um, I don't know if it really affects it that much because, again, you're going to have people that have a high-end PC. They were never going to buy a PlayStation in the first place, you know. So, I mean, like that's kind of where I think they're pushing those sales towards. Because you're not going to buy a PC for the same price as the console and run it anywhere near as good. Right, so there no, is there is a huge... Yeah, I mean, the, the graphics card alone is just going to cost you what the console is. Um, but uh, yeah, like I don't know if it's going to be a major deciding factor in, in, in anything, really. I think there is some overlap because I think there's people that, you know, probably bought Spider-Man on PS4 and then also bought it on PC. So there is that double dipping as well, but I don't think that overlap is massive. Like, I don't think you're looking at like 60% of its sales or repeat customers. Like, I don't think it's anything that drastic because there is sometimes a divide between console and and, and PC player um, where Xbox kind of solved that with, if you own it on Xbox, you kind of own it on PC to a certain extent with with, like through the Windows store at least. Um, But with PC, like, yeah, I mean, I think they they need to make sure their ports are good because so far a lot of their PC ports have been kind of broken at launch. Some have been good. Last of Us uh, was horrifically bad in regards to the shape that it was in. So, I mean, if it takes a little bit longer, it is what it is. Like, I'm still waiting for a second title from PlayStation to be available on PC because so far it's just been the first titles of their respective franchises. And to me, it always felt like Sony was baiting PC customers to come to PlayStation by having that first game on there. Like, hey, here's the first one. Don't expect the second one anytime soon. So God of War Ragnarok comes out, you know, just just after the God of War one on PC. Right. And it gets people going, oh, hey, maybe I want to buy a PlayStation to play that sequel right away. Because we're probably not getting God of War Ragnarok on PC for at least another two years, probably. So, again, I'm still waiting for that second game to drop of of their respective games, whether it's last right. Like now two. you're going to be waiting uh, for horizon forbidden West to show up on PC in another two years or whatever, after you got zero dawn. So um, yeah. do you, do you feel like let's do it the other way? Do you feel like that, that two to three year wait makes it to where more PC players will be like, I will buy a PS five now because I don't want to wait. I, I think it depends on, I mean, financially, it would, it would it would definitely, depending on the person and stuff like that. I don't think that you're going to see a major market share of PC players 
buying a, a, a PlayStation to, to do that stuff when they know that, oh, yeah, if I just wait, that game is going to come to PC. Um, I think if there is a divide where PlayStation's like, we're done with PC, then you're going to have people buying that console and stuff. But I think when they see what Microsoft has kind of done in regards to kind of car carving a place in that PC space, they see the money there as well, too. But they're more interested in PlayStation money than than what they're getting on PC. At least that's what Jim Ryan's kind of kind of shown anyway. Yeah, it seems like PlayStation has no interest in hey, play your games wherever. They have they want you to play them on whatever PlayStation console they have out there. I think the um the live service games that have they have coming out are probably going to be PC day and date. Um, just so that they have the people right. playing them. I think that's important as well, too. I mean, like when you take a look at like fighting games that have only ever been on one platform, like they they suffocate because there's no there's no one playing it online because there's only one platform supporting it. Right. So, yeah. Uh, but the PC players, uh, sorry about that. If you were thinking that maybe we we're going to get to the Xbox strategy at some point, Jim Ryan basically told you you will keep waiting or you can just buy a PS5. One of the that's one of your two options. Um, we'll talk about some things that are gonna probably make you want to buy a PS5 a little bit later if you know they do get announced at the showcase, but just a couple of things that are kind of off of that uh for a sec. Overwatch 2, you know, they got announced by Blizzard at BlizzCon 2019. The thing that was supposed to separate this from Overwatch 1... The whole reason for the two. Yeah, yeah the whole reason for the two was the fact that they were going to have this narrative-driven experience, this PvE mode, hero mode. Uh, it's going to have a story and all this stuff. This is why you want to play this game if you're not a PvP player. And then all these years, uh, you know, this, this year or so later, they've been working on this game since it launched now. And they announced that it's not happening anymore. Um, yeah. I mean, they gave a big long spiel about why and everything else. I mean, they're still going to be bringing you uh, new. Well, enemies, the why was all content. PR speak as well. Yeah, the why was all PR speak of like, well, we just we just want to let you know that it's not happening, so you don't keep. When we give you the roadmap, you don't keep thinking that it is happening. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not an Overwatch player. Uh, my usual co-host, Mark, he does like Overwatch a lot. But yeah. my only my hook with caring about Overwatch 2 was the PvE stuff, right? The, the hero mode, the single player stuff. Now you take that out, it's like, well, I'm going to go back to not caring about Overwatch. Uh, how do you feel about them removing them? Yeah, my experience with Overwatch was... 99% through the first one like I'd play yeah. with friends and stuff like that and I loved the characters the character designs were unbelievably exactly. cool like it was nice like I barely even played but did I spend money trying to get Mercy's Halloween costume hell yeah did I even yeah. play as Mercy no like I love the, the, the cool little trailers that they would play for them to introduce the the characters yeah, like, like like god like there's there's there was more character stuff through their cutscenes and trailers or fan-made stuff on various websites that were doing more with their characters than Overwatch was. And so when right. Overwatch is like, we're going to have story mode and you're going to have characters and abilities and all this kind of stuff and you're gonna, we're going to do stuff with the characters. So it's like, cool, I'm interested in Overwatch too. Sign me up. 
that was the only reason I was interested in Overwatch 2 at all. Because like I don't like the multiplayer stuff. And to me, like I know people that play Overwatch and they said that like there's some quality of life stuff that they've done that has made the game immensely better. But there's teams where like they they pretty much had to cut somebody, you know, because they swapped down to five players or whatever the case is. And so like that changed the game as well, too, because it got rid of certain roles. Um, and I just I tried Overwatch 2 and I just couldn't get into it. I just couldn't care. So I'm like, well, at least I've got this the single player stuff to look forward to. That's when I'll jump back in. And now yeah. we have nothing. Yeah, it's, it's like they said they're going to add some some single player stuff into it but if it's like oh here's a map with some like zombie things and you're going to shoot them and it's going to be halloween like no i want actual story stuff i want to see why how these characters interact with each other i want to see cutscenes with these characters like you know like i want to see tracer and winston and all these other characters that are like doing things and and have character arcs and all that kind of stuff i want to see that stuff because i see it in their trailers and their character trailers and stuff and i'm like Where's this game? Like, I want this game. And Overwatch 2 just feels like 1.5 now. Yeah. It does not, like, the whole reason for the 2 is just completely gone. Yeah, it's really weird that you tried to give us reasons why there needed to be a whole sequel to this this game that you were making free to play also. And then you remove all of that. I mean, I guess it's better than the Microsoft way of doing with halo where it's like well that's coming it's coming yeah and then later just go oh no it's not um well it's, at least, yeah. it's a huge difference of like having a team that knows how to run a live service game and then a yeah. team who does not know how to live run a live service game like what right. i don't understand with halo is why did they not hire a live service director who says yeah this is how this stuff works yeah. maybe they did Maybe the, who knows? I don't know everybody that was in charge at at three four three, but I think Halo. I think honestly, if Halo had just shipped as a regular Halo game, I th mm -hmm. think it would have been better. But there's a lot of missteps they made, even in regards to that stuff. But when multiplayer dropped, people were playing it, people were having fun, and they're like, "Okay, what's next?" And like, "Oh, the next thing is like a year from now." Oh shit! Yeah. And I mean, and that, that's the thing is like, I guess Activision Blizzard doesn't want people doing that where they go to BlizzCon and there's still nothing for that. And then they eventually like a year later have to go, oh, it's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's good that they they did go ahead and put this out of the way. But you also kind of dampen a lot of people's uh, cares for that game, like you just said. And, yeah, like and the whole reason well. they reboot it yeah. and, and made those changes was because it was all built around the fact that this was a sequel. And like if Overwatch 1 still existed and you could go play Overwatch 1 and it was just exactly how it was and stuff, like that would be a different story. But like this, I don't know of any time ever a sequel has overwritten the yeah. original game. So That's like so I will never, I will never consider this a sequel. It's a version upgrade. That's all it is. It's Overwatch 2.0 is what I called it when it first came out. Yep. And that's all it is. Right. And they they basically, I think, have lost a lot of... I mean, Activision Blizzard has lost a, a, a lot of PR kind of wins in the last little while with everything. But in regards to like promising a feature like that, like they they took a game that people absolutely loved flipped it on its side and hoped people loved the changes 
And now it feels like they didn't need to do that. They could have spent mm -hmm. all that time making new maps and just rehauling the graphics engine. Like, you know, it, Destiny changed things differently because they were trying to get away from the engine they were using. And then I think they ended up making stuff even more complicated where they had to like change one thing. It took like 14 hours of rendering or something like that to change one little tiny thing. So like there was a reason for the two because they, they did change a lot in that game. But you could still go back and play Destiny 1 at the time, I think. I can't remember. This, yeah, you this could for a while until they took it off. Yeah. Yeah. This whole story with, with that is just, it's just bizarre. It is really bizarre. Yeah, it's absolutely just a weird decision on their part. Um, and it, it makes it to where now Overwatch is is kind of just it's there for the people that have been, like like Destiny. It's there for the people that have been playing it. Uh for a lot of newcomers, if you weren't interested in Overwatch before, there's really not a lot to get, for you to get into it now. So that that's upsetting and it's uh sad to see. And that's one of those things with those live service games. That you can get a lot of promises about a roadmap, and uh, and then things happen. The game doesn't perform as well as it should. Things get knocked off, and you never get that what you want. Yeah, or so. you get like the the case of like Division Two, where they were like, "Yeah, we're done," and then people are like, "No, we want more," and they're like, "Oh, you you want more? Okay." And then they started making new content for the Division Two because people were like, "Yeah, we want we want." Yep. So I mean, like, there's there's some aspects of it, and then there's like live service games that have just come and gone. Yep, like just so no many cares. of them just poof. Well, like, it's... where did where did Rainbow Six Extraction go? Like, I oh, enjoyed Lord. playing it, yeah. but it's like three days after that game released, no one was talking about it. Yeah, that game just suffered from existing and then all of a sudden gone. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Gone. They tried to put it on PS Plus recently, and I was like, is anybody going to play that game? I doubt it. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was fun with what I played, but like... yeah. The live service stuff is just so bizarre in a lot of ways because like Ubisoft has like tried their hands at so much stuff and like Rainbow Siege, Rainbow Six Siege took a while to get going and then they tried that, um, was it Hypers Hyperscape something or whatever? It was that one that was out for like a month and then they just canned it. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I but, Yeah. Now they're doing it with the, the X Defiant game, which that's probably, that's already gotten delayed again. So they yeah, have like, UB, that's a Ubisoft problem in general, that they just have way too much of that live service, endless game going on. Especially when um, you're cutting into your own your own catalog as well, too. Because like there's some publishers that have had two or three live service games out at once. And I'm like, why? Like, yep. like focus on one live service game. Make it the best damn game that you can absolutely make. Because you're, you're not going to get the, the money you're wanting from it with all the microtransactions and all that kind of stuff. If you have multiple people playing multiple or so one person playing, trying to play multiple games, it's just, it's just a, a very weird business strategy. Like, I don't know if it's just like separate divisions of that company that are like, you need to generate this type of revenue and a live service game is going to do it. Cause Ubisoft had division going, they've had, they tried going one one of their Ghost Recons was almost like a live service game in a kind of, um, and then they had yeah that Hyperscape thing or whatever that was called. And they have X Defiant going as well, and then yeah. Rainbow Six Siege. And I mean Siege was actually a win for them because that was dying. It wasn't always. It, it, it yeah, it did not do well at the start. Well, right. They, they what I'm saying is like that's the problem is Siege made it to where they feel like they could do that with every single one of these where oh we could turn it around and it's going to be great and. 
uh, you know, uh, same thing with like Ghost Recon Breakpoint, right? That thing is somehow still existing, even though it, it really just bombed for the most part. Um, you know, For Honor as well, that thing still exists. I don't know who's playing that, but they, they still make content for it. So, um, yeah, yeah you no, it's weird like that. Everybody's tried and even like something like, because I mean, Babylon's Fall, like that oh, Lord, released yeah. and then uninstalled itself. Like yeah. Anthem, Anthem, you know, did what it did, and like I liked Anthem. Like yeah. I really liked it. I wanted more, especially with that Avengers. You know, yeah, just... Avengers was to me. Uh, see, I liked Anthem right from the start. Avengers, I didn't care for really at all, just because I never had that power fantasy. It never felt right strong. It's like it's so weird. It just it reminded me of like Ultimate Alliance Three, where I'm playing as like the Hulk and I'm in the prison level, and inmates are beating the crap out of me. They're beating the crap out of the Hulk. Yeah, this feels what? absolutely what? like power fantasy stuff was just so weird in some of that stuff. And I get it. You have to make some things challenging. But then I was like, oh, we're fighting robots over and over and over again. And it just got yeah. boring. Like, it just was not great. Like, I loved the best Marvel online game they've ever made was Marvel. What is it? Omega or Marvel Heroes Omega Mar or whatever. Yeah, Marvel Heroes. Yeah. Yeah. That game was fantastic. Like, I loved it. Playing as like Angela, who's like that was the first Marvel game that she'd ever been in. Like that game was unbelievable. Cool. It was like ultimate Alliance, the MMO. And then they lost the rights and they had to shut it down. Ah, it's sad. Uh, some of these things have worked, but it, it, you would think that that would make it to where there's less of this stuff going on and more of the, let's do things that are going to have people around. And unfortunately, uh, overwatch, uh, did not do that here, but you know, at some point, or, well, you think they will be, uh, Activision blizzard, Things are pointing somewhat in the right direction for them to eventually be part of Xbox. And now Xbox has been under fire recently because of, uh, you know, the Redfall, bad news, the Phil Spencer interview, all of that. And so a lot of pressure has been put on Starfield to deliver. Now, it now has to be the uh, biggest, grandest, uh, most amazing game on planet Earth. Um, however, there are many Xbox folks and xbox outlets including one from xbox era nick baquette who went on a podcast saying that he's convinced that no gaming outlets want to give starfield high schoolers there's already sites that have decided yeah. pre-release that starfield is a 7.0 to 8.5 and we're going to keep bringing the xbox brand down so uh you know i i've I'm not going to say the gaming media, everybody has their bias, right? It's not that there isn't one. It's that gaming media is supposed to try to be neutral in that respect. Well, I uh, mean, yeah. where was that type of criticism when Hi-Fi Rush, Hi Rush yeah, was exactly. getting like nines and tens and then like any of the Forza games? Because like Forza, what was the last one? I always forget the numbers. The last one was For five. Forza Horizon 5, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like technically this one's eight but they don't have the number that's yeah because like the last two forza horizons to me were some of the best console exclusives like those were nines and tens pretty much across the board they were just yep. fantastic so like yeah like if sites are going to be doing that then they're definitely going to have a lot of kind of credibility lost because like they're taking a look at like what other sites are doing like with that one site that uh gave tears of the kingdom like a six and then they got like a whole lot of clicks and stuff. And then there's that site that like gave Hogwarts Legacy like a one or something. Yeah. But 
like and then like they get they just get like clicks and stuff and that is like the biggest issue i think with like a lot of major outlets is like they're paid to get traffic and if they're going to compromise that kind of stuff by producing false reviews that sucks like absolutely sucks because then like you don't know whether or not that site's even worth checking out but i mean you know, do you like, think they're actually going to do that though i don't think that there's a preconceived Oh, okay. Starfield falls in this range. No matter how great it is, it it cannot get more than eight point five. That doesn't. No, yeah. I don't. I don't think there's going to be anything like that. I mean, again, like reviewing a game in a way where you're only doing it to get clicks and stuff. I can see that for news articles, like clickbait and all that kind of stuff. But when right. you are essentially putting your credibility on the line in regards to reviewing the product, then it can kind of tarnish your reputation with like the publishers. I mean, look at all the people, all the websites that are in like Nintendo jail, like Kotaku, you know, mm -hmm. where they're like digging their grave even more by like saying like, oh, like this game is available to be like on piracy. Like, you know, with Metroid, when Metroid um, Dread came out, they were talking about that stuff. So I think like that stuff is more realistic where I can see sites doing that for like clicks, but already having a review for a game they haven't even touched in a preview capacity i don't know like redfall yeah. like i know every site was like this doesn't seem that great during like when they went and saw their previews and stuff like listening to like giant bomb and GameSpot and stuff where they were talking about their impressions of playing that game they were like okay well maybe that maybe the actual game has more right it, it didn't so like they could already have a, a preconceived notion of like okay this is going to be this type of game but with starfield i mean this is bethesda like this is like their flagship team i don't I, yeah yeah i i think that they know they already know that that game has to be great like i don't i don't think that todd howard isn't putting pressure on himself already to know that yeah look the, the last fallout had some issues whatever like i need to fallout 76 like he he for him oh his own sake not just xbox not just bethesda like he needs to get his reputation back of Okay, we're back to the Skyrim days. We're back to those days. Well, of, this this is also a main us. series yeah. game too, because yeah. like Fallout was like an experimental side project, pretty much. Right. So I mean, a lot of people were, a lot of the bad press of that game came around people expecting that this was the next Fallout. You know, so like they, it wasn't treated like a, like a like a side game or something like that. Right. Um, or at least in people's eyes, they didn't see it that. And I think that if they would have marketed Fallout alongside news of a proper fallout coming down the pipe i think that would have been better saying like hey like you know we have a proper fallout game you know that we're designing and stuff like that but here's like a side thing for multiplayer that kind of stuff but they really went in marketing that thing like it was like the next fall so that was that was a big thing for them whereas starfield is a next big project for them like the next thing that they go and work on is elder scrolls but yeah i think with starfield like i'm not in the camp where Everyone's like, oh, Starfield gets like sixes and sevens and Xbox is dead. No, Xbox is going to be absolutely fine. Like it's, it is important for, for Starfield to be great um, for sure. I mean, like Skyrim is one of the most celebrated games out there, but it's also one of the most released games out there as well too. But I don't know, like I, I think a lot of people are reading a little too much into how important starfield has to be um i think it does have to be great 
I think that does have to be in order to do that kind of stuff. But I think most people are going to focus on the negative aspects of any Microsoft release more so than the game themselves. Like it's probably without a doubt going to be 30 FPS on Xbox mm -hmm. Series X for sure. I don't really have a problem with that because like I played Redfall and like the 30 FPS was not the issue. That game could have been 100 and 120 FPS on Series X and I still feel exactly the same about it. So like playing Starfield in 30 FPS, I've been playing games in 30 FPS for the longest time. Does it suck? Of course. Would I love it to be 60 FPS? Of course. I'm going to have, if I have any issues with that game, it's it's not going to be the frame rate. I mean, if it's an inconsistent frame rate, if it's dropping the 10 to 15, 20 frames constantly and all that kind of stuff, sure. But if it's a locked 30, it's fine for me. But I think a lot of people are just kind of, I don't know. I think, I think they're focusing on the wrong stuff when it comes to a lot of these types of things in regards to like how they're, they're gauging how important it is, whether or not it's going to be like defining the story for Xbox going forward and that kind of stuff. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that dire, you know, like, but I mean, again, I want good games on Xbox. You know, I definitely want them to, to come out that way. And I think we're going to start getting that stuff, but I mean, COVID was tough for a lot of teams and like, a lot of teams pretty much had to start from scratch. Um, so a lot of games got delayed to swap to different engines because like Hellblade uh, 2 is going to be Unreal Engine 5. And that game is going to be absolutely fantastic. I have no doubt because that team at Ninja Theory is phenomenal. So, I mean, you got that game coming out. You've got the next Forza Motorsport, which is going to do fantastic for Gearheads because like it's not my kind of racing game. Like I'll play it because it's on Game Pass and stuff, but Horizon's always been my thing. Fable's going to be big for them as well too about like there's lots of stuff that they can really show off but see how that goes yeah i mean i've been in the camp that starfield does need to be great i don't think the end of the world is happening if it's not no. like a 10 out of 10 uh genre defining generation defining game it can be a nine and be great and you can still have fun in it and people can play it for a long time like you do like you do with fallouts and skyrims you know all that yeah. i i just think that people are it's it's always the extremes right you got to be like oh this game's going to suck it's going to keep uh oh you know the only thing that xbox can do is is racing games now like no i mean they yeah. do other games you just don't you either don't like those games or they aren't triple a enough for you well, people so, are looking at yeah. Redfall and they're like, this is the worst game ever. I'm like, dude, you have not played enough games. Yeah, exactly. Redfall is the no, worst game there ever. are worse games. That Play Bravo Team on PSVR. Yeah. Oh, I'm not even, I mean, there's there's other games I've reviewed from not the PS4 days that were really bad. Like, so uh -huh. it's just, it, it's always the overhypedness of it. Was Redfall bad? Yes. Uh, did it have issues? Yes. I, I played it. It, yeah, there was some fun to be had, but it wasn't great, you know. Um, yeah. But you know, it, again, it's it's a bad blip for a studio that usually does really good things. It happens. Well, the if one thing that yeah, the one thing with um with Redfall is like Redfall was kind of left unhand, like left unchecked by Microsoft. Like it was something right. that was so far in that they hadn't done anything whereas with starfield microsoft's been working with that team a lot more exactly. so i think the optimization is going to be a lot better because like redfall not launching with the 60 fb option not a great look i'd rather them would have just delayed it 
because if they were already looking at like internal reviews and internal reviews were not terribly great, like if they're like, this is going to be a 71 on Metacritic, delay it. Yeah. Don't put it out till it's an eight minimum. So I think Starfield, like, honestly, I think it's going to hit somewhere between like an, probably like an 88 on Metacritic to probably a 91 at the highest. Right. Like, I, I think it's going to hit a lot of nines. I don't think it's going to hit that many tens, but I think it's going to hit nines. I think it's going to be a great title for them. But yeah, like the importance of it is pretty significant. But yeah, it's it's not the doom and gloom that everyone's like, oh, if Starfield fails, then Xbox is done. They're selling off their business. Like, no, it's yeah. not happening. I mean, what you want is to have that title that has gets people to want to play and subscribe to Game Pass. If Starfield can do that and gets you to want to keep playing in it and keep subscribing for further months, that's the important part of it. Whether it gets a 9 or a 10 or whatever. It's not yeah, going to sure. really matter at the end of the day. Uh, just to hit some of this stuff quick uh, so we can get into our uh, showcase predictions here. Uh, once again, you had some talk. We already had rumors of there being a PS5 Pro and that thing's coming next year or at some point or whatever. Uh, more, more talk about that, really. Where do you stand on the whole... Should we, I guess mid-gen console refreshes are kind of... A thing that's going to happen now but like should we be really talking about that right now because it feels like we're just now hitting the stride for ps5 and the xbox series the main reason that we had um the ps4 pro and the the xbox uh like mid mid cycle um, yeah upgrades was because console sales were stalling like they weren't they were they kind of hit this hit a stride essentially of like how many units that they were actually selling and right now like Consoles are selling extremely good, extremely fast. People are still in a market to try and find PS5s and all that kind of stuff. So I don't think there's a need for it. I think probably you'll see them if there are going to be console mid-cycle refreshes. I think it's going to be at least another two years because most of the teams have haven't haven't even had a chance to play around with this hardware. Because right. like God of War Ragnarok and Horizon Forbidden West, like those are PS4 games that run on ps5 with little bit extra bells and whistles whereas the first i think ratchet and clank was probably like the most advanced of it in regards to like running on ps5 hardware spider-man is has been they uh, jim ryan has said that spider-man has had no compromises whatsoever um so that it'll be running on full ps5 hardware so like we haven't really had a wealth of titles that benefit from that extra hardware yet and if, if they're like oh we're getting a new PS5 that's going to have like 60 FPS ray tracing. I don't think that's worth buying another console for, at least so soon. Because like, I don't know, it doesn't really feel like these consoles have really been out that long, even though they kind of have. But I don't know. Like, I I would love to see brand new hardware for sure. But I don't think the time has kind of warranted it yet, even for releasing this year or next. I just I just don't see it. Because like it was a completely different market back when the PS4 Pro and Xbox One uh, X came out. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I mean you're right about that. It's it feels like you know PS uh, Sony just announced at the beginning of this year that there's no longer a, a chain holding back uh, PS5s being in stores. Like you're going to be able to walk in and get one if you want it. You know Xbox yeah. has had a little bit less problem with that because they've had the Series S. But uh, you know I. I don't think that they really need to have that right now. Like, let's get some actual PS5 only titles out there and you hit the stride of the PS5 and the and the Xbox series 
And then when you've had a couple of years of that, maybe 2025, uh, if you want to release a, a mid-gen upgrade, sure. Um, yeah, I know people are complaining about the whole, oh man, you guys promised us 60 this gen and we're there's a lot of games not hitting that. Well, I mean, they've come into even limitations for other things. They want to make these games bigger and, and better well, and everything. It's optimization issues yeah. as well, too. And so many games have been getting released unfinished. Right. Um, so that's a big problem because everyone's like, we need a release date. We need a release date. And they'll like hound people and like, okay, fine. It's coming out in September. And then they have to delay it. They're like, oh my God. I'm like, I'm going to send you death threats now. Like, yeah. it's so stupid. Like, talk, talking to the public is, is very different because like release dates are generally not for the public, they're usually for investors. Um, public facing stuff is just when they know when they're going to essentially turn a profit. I mean, like if you take a look at like the um, stuff with Grand Theft Auto 6, like they announced that Take Two is expecting to make a certain amount of money within a certain uh, time period coming up here. Like, wow, I wonder how they're going to make that money. Oh, GTA 6. Like, yeah, you know, like, so there's that end of it. But yeah, it's it's been kind of tough for, I think, teams to produce stuff because like we're just kind of getting out of like a lot of what COVID was was doing with development and stuff because like there's some teams that lost six months to a year on, on that um, and then remote has been both a blessing and a curse for some studios some studios are like yeah no you have to you have to come into the office now when they've hired people like across the country or whatever the case is so it's it's been tough for a lot of teams but I honestly think that more teams should be confident in delaying the stuff if it means they're going to get a better game. Because, like, I think Jedi Survivor could have used, like, an another month or so of polish because it's now in a good playable state. Because when it first came out, it didn't run that well, especially on PC. Same issue with Redfall, where it wasn't identifying, like, the cores essentially properly. Right. So there's a lot of games that are just getting released way too soon, and... I think we need to see some good finished next gen games coming out that are not mired in the controversy of being unfinished before we can really even start talking about additional consoles because it otherwise it just feels like a band-aid on a problem. So. Exactly. Exactly. Let's let's have Final Fantasy 16 and Spider-Man 2 and all that out and see how it goes before we uh start saying, oh well, we need to have that PS5 Pro out right now. Um, moving on to some things that don't have to do with those consoles for a bit. Uh, video game music has uh, continuously always been a, a huge thing for gaming, but it seems like in the last years or so now, video game music has its own Grammys. And, and we have franchises like Final Fantasy and Legend of Zelda and Kingdom Hearts, stuff like that, have, that have had concert, uh, orchestra concerts, you know, and they have tours and everything. And, you know, if you remember last year, Sega had like a free orchestra concert they did for the 30th anniversary of Sonic. And, and now they're going to take it on the road. Uh, they're going to they're going to do shows in London and in Los Angeles in September. And then I guess they would make it a tour if it's successful. I mean, uh, are you a big fan of the Sonic games and how big is music in games for you? Um, I mean, Sonic's always been a, a franchise that I've really adored, but I wouldn't consider myself a massive fan of it. Um, like, I always feel like that's a franchise that has made a lot of missteps with. I think there's more right. worse Sonic games than there are good Sonic games. The music's always been good, though. That stuff that, that has always been great. I think Sega has had a lot of properties that have really made some absolutely fantastic music, or just soundtracks in general. But, uh, yeah, like... I don't know. Like, I think these concerts and stuff are, are kind of neat. And I think that they've got enough successful IPs that that kind of stuff can be good. 
and it is nice that video game music has been getting a lot more mainstream. I think it's like a Grammy uh, category now. Right. I don't watch the Grammys, but I think that there was something. I think it was like Assassin's Creed Valhalla or something. Yes, they did. The nominees for that were kind of weird, but. Yeah, I think uh, that like it it all it depends on how they're doing it. Like, I don't know if they just type like top five, top five gaming soundtracks 2021 or something. And then like was like, oh, OK, there's this guy. Let's do this. Because like Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And it's like I'm sitting here. I'm like, that even come out that year to do that oh, yeah no i know maybe like i don't know it's just sort felt sort of weird and like when i think back on valhalla i'm like i don't remember that soundtrack at all it's sort of a weird thing but i mean like sega's got a lot of stuff with really good music and stuff you know like space channel 5 always had good music jet set radio future and, and jack grind radio like all that stuff had fantastic music yeah, uh, I think this can work extremely well. Sonic is one of those franchises that when you think about their music, it's one of the most remembered. Uh, and it's cool to see something that's not like an RPG uh, getting a concert series. And I, I'd love to see more of this kind of thing of like, let's let this let video game music be its thing, have series, have, I mean, it'd be cool if we had like you're saying, just have Sega have its own, oh, the Sega orchestra thing. And it's not just Sonic, it's other uh, Sega IPs as well. You know, hope, you know, Nintendo, who is really bad about releasing their soundtracks mm-hmm. to the public. Uh, it'd be cool if they ever got into that. Um, yeah, because there's a lot of composers that even run their kind of stuff. Like I know, like, yeah. I know, like Austin Wintry, you know, from like, a lot of people know him from like Journey and the Pathless and a bunch of other games and stuff. Like he, he's always been very um, good at relaying his music out to those types of venues and even contributing to that stuff going like, Oh, Hey, here's all this. So like, I think when you have the right people on board, you can kind of produce some really, really epic shit. So. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That's uh, that will be a thing. We'll keep our eyes on as will be Sega talking about, they want to make more movies with their IPs. What? Obviously, It's almost like the Mario movie <laughs> did something. Right, and also the Sega, the Sonic movies as well. Sonic movies, yeah. one. We do know that there's a Space Channel Five movie in development. Uh, there's the Knuckles TV show on Paramount that's there. There's the Yakuza movie in development. They already had one previously in Japan, and uh, Comic Zone I think is in in the works. But like, if you look at other Sega properties, is there one that stands out to you that like, oh man, I think I'd want to see a movie based on yeah. that? Well, I mean, like Comic Zone, like I want them to kind of embrace the era that they're kind of pulling from. So like that is like because, you know, movie trailers used always used to start, you know, like that. I want that yeah. Comic Zone. That would be perfect for that trailer because that always seems like that kind of era, like Comic yeah. Zone almost feels like the evolution of like the original Mario Brothers movie in regards to how corny I kind of want it to be. Um I don't know, in certain terms, like Sega IP, like, I think, honestly, we need another good fighting series because, like, the Tekken movies haven't been that great. The Mortal Kombat movies have been somewhat all right. The first one, I mean, obviously, is is, is a classic in that regards. But I think, honestly, you could get something really cool with Virtual Fighter. You know, like, you yeah. could you could really, like, embrace, like, the virtual part where maybe it's fighters that are fighting in a VR type of thing. So, like you can have all the neat types of stages and all that kind of stuff and characters getting beaten up and not killed. Cause it's all virtual. Like, I think there's some right. neat ideas that you could kind of mine there, but like Sega has some decent properties. Um, 
But yeah, Virtual Fighter would be pretty cool. Like, maybe they could one-up Gran Turismo movie and do a Sega GT. Yeah. You know? But, to uh, to yeah. bring that bring that back again, because we haven't had a game for Sega GT in a long time. I know. Uh, I, but, yeah, it'd be cool if, if they did. Um, what is it? Sambia Amigo or whatever? Isn't that Sega? Yeah. Sambia Amigo. Yeah, that's Sega. Yeah. They could do that. Bring that as like a, a children's children's show and do it live action though. Make it look like the, the creators were on something when they did that. Cause that's half <laughs> those kids shows where they're like, they've got yep. to be on something, but there's some cool stuff that they could, they could kind of do there. But comic zone, I think would be neat, but yeah, like, I don't know, like the knuckle stuff is like the knuckles TV show I think is cool. But I think that was one of the perks of hiring Idris Alba as part of like yeah. some type of multi multi part deal. Plus you need content for their streaming uh-huh. service. So, I mean, like, you know, we'll probably get like a what is it, Big the Cat or something on Sonic? Right. I can't remember. He'll probably get his own. Yes, Big the Cat will show up in there. But I don't know. Like, I don't remember too many Sega things. Like, I know, like when they did the Dreamcast, they had a lot of cool stuff. Like, you could do like a Sh- like Shemu's not uh, Shega is Sen- yeah, Shemu Sega. Yeah, yeah, you could do a Sen- uh, uh, a Shenmu show where it just has like an uncomfortable like five minute scene of him just like picking up something going what is this and then like him just you know there, yeah. there's some cool stuff that they could do but i don't know i think that quality is your first standard so i mean like yeah. don't just produce content so that paramount plus has something to to put in their commercial like i think you have to make a good quality product or no one's going to care like right the Mario movie probably had 15 different renditions before Nintendo was like, yeah, we'll settle on that. I mean, hell, the composer had a fight to use Mario music in the damn movie. So there's right and wrong choices that kind of dictate the quality of these things. And I mean, like, I don't know how a Space Channel 5 movie could be any good, but if the quality is there and there's a reason for it, then maybe. I mean, hell, they made a movie about how they made Tetris, and that apparently yeah. is good. Quality is always going to kind of trump everything essentially over the idea so like sega's got a lot of cool properties there's a lot of cool things that they could do but uh the quality has to be there otherwise it none of it matters yeah i mean they now own angry birds as well so they could definitely do another one of those angry birds uh movies um i uh think for me and they've already done house of the dead before just to point that yeah out the- but you you, yeah. you need to put a good director on that yeah exactly Huey ball or whatever his name is <laughs> yep. like uh, I mean, I would be uh, I, Super Monkey Ball could easily be a cool animated uh, movie. Uh, Shinobi, they could make that happen uh, as well. Yeah. If you needed a ninja flick, um, Streets of Rage could be a cool movie as well. If they uh, wanted to do that. Yeah, Streets but... of Rage could be pretty cool. Like if they because I mean, like, I don't know, like they did the like, was it the Double Dragon movie a billion yeah. years ago? And so I mean, like, it's not uncommon for them to do the two guys against the bad guy type of thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so we'll see if they do announce any more movies in the future. Uh, But for now, you know that that Sonic three movie is coming at the end of the year. So there's that or well at the end of next, but well, we did mention uh, fighting games before Uh, Mortal Kombat one, which uh, I kind of went over like what was going to be in that last week. They did reveal the DLC fighters thanks to a leak. Everything mm-hmm. gets everything getting leaked. Thanks, Amazon. Uh, mm-hmm. Amazon Italy revealing that Quan Chi, Omni Man, Ermac, Takeda, and the aforementioned Peacemaker and Homelander are going to be, in fact, that first wave of DLC. 
what do you, yeah. are are you a big MK fan? And what do you? Oh yeah, the... like yeah, I'm I'm super excited for for Mortal Kombat One because like the story mode stuff has been fantastic. Like they've been pretty much unparalleled when it comes to that. And those those story modes are the best Mortal Kombat movies you'll find. So this one going back to basics with like the whole rebooted canon, just with how Mortal Kombat 11's DLC ended. Quan Chi being DLC is interesting mainly because most of the Mortal Kombat DLC has kind of been guest characters mostly. Right. Um, especially with like the cameo fighters. Cause like they still haven't really explained how that works, but Omni-Man, I'm not a hundred percent too sure if I know who that is. That one's kind of on the edge of my brain right now. I mean, I know who Ermac and uh, Takeda, I think I know on that one. Peacemaker. I'm wondering if that's an Amazon deal or if that is a version of the Peacemaker from the comic switcher Vertigo, which is DC, which is Warner. So that's probably know. that. Yeah. But I mean, again, too, do you make a Peacemaker that doesn't look anything like the one on Amazon? And people are like, that's not Peace, or sorry, that's not Homelander. I mean, um, you know, if you make Homelander the, the DC Vertical one based off the comics, it's a kind of a different character. So I don't know if if who they're going to how they're going to tackle Homelander of whether or not they've made a deal with Amazon. I, I would think that it has to kind of be the Homelander from the show, yeah, the show because that's the one a lot of people know. But it, it, they could just do the comic one and be like, "Wait, well, there's Homelander." But I feel like it's sending a Peacemaker. Like more people know peacemaker now i know he was in the movies as well but it's like from the show that was on hbo yeah Max, I, so. I, it'd be interesting if they actually yeah. get john cena i mean i'm assuming he's not terribly expensive because i mean they've got arnold schwarzenegger before and sylvester yeah. stallone and yeah, peter weller like they've got all those people to to kind of do that stuff i'd imagine he'd probably want to do it i mean he's he was in the wwe games for years so why yeah, not I, yeah i think uh, i think honestly like that kind of that stuff's kind of neat, but I would, I don't know. I kind of wish that the DLC characters were like more of that guest type of stuff. So like Quan Chi being is, that is sort of weird. I mean, that's probably just phase one. So, I mean, we're going to have probably three or four phases or something, given how the other ones have gone and whether or not we'll do a expansion that'll bring more characters. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure they will probably do something because they always tend to do like more DLC and then, you know, the expansion as well. So, um, but Cool that they've already, I guess, unintentionally released this. Well, DLC. it's a new Warner that's very money focused, so they're definitely yeah. going to be doing something, especially if they're oh, selling sure. cameo fighters. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's just when when Hogwarts is out there making a bunch of money, they're going to try everything they can to make sure the MK uh, games do this uh, as well. Uh, one more thing here before we get into that PlayStation uh, showcase stuff, we always got to hand it out to the voice actors or actors in general that maybe unintentionally spoil things. <laughs> the Alan Wake voice actor, Matthew Peretta, was on uh, Monsters Madness and Magic Podcast, and he was talking about Alan Wake 2. He's, you know, he talked about doing it, and then he kind of, in a way, gave us a release window for it, saying, oh, I think it's going to release around Halloween, a fitting month for a spooky game. Um, mm -hmm. he, he talks about he's basically coming out in October, um, that he went out to Finland to the remedy people and caused them amazing people, which they are. I mean, pretty fitting that that game comes out in October, right? Oh, for sure. Like, I don't yeah. like 
this is like, I mean, you had Tony Todd spoil Spider-Man 2's release date, essentially. Yeah, he was playing Venom. Exactly. Yeah, so it's almost like these guys like don't understand what their contracts are, where they're like, oh. yeah, don't talk about this. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, like, again, too, like, I don't think it really shakes up anything too much because they already said that it was going to hit in 2023. But again, games get delayed all the time. But I mean, you know, I think it honestly having that like October, November, whatever release date is is going to be pretty good for them because spooky games and and Twitch run hand in hand around that month. So, I mean, right. that is your prime time to get people out there playing it and, and uh, spooked around the, the proper season. You like the Alan Wake games in general? Or? Um, yeah, I didn't mind the, the first Alan Wake one. I'm not crazy on it. Um, like, I think it's a very good to great game, but um, mm -hmm. I did enjoy my time with it. I haven't played the remaster, or is that what's... I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, the, remas the remaster, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I played it back when it originally came out. I didn't play that DLC pack that apparently was really, really good. Yes. But I've been kind of iffy on Remedy in some, some ways, because, like, Quantum Break, like, I liked, you know, I didn't absolutely love it. And I was the same way with like control. I thought it was pretty good, but I mean, like I went through the entire game, not having access to my map because it, Oof. it just did not work. <laughs> it was just black splots all over the place. So I had to play that entire game without a map. So like, but I mean, the, what I played up is pretty good. So like, I'm, I'm looking forward to Alan Wake too. Um, I don't know whether or not it's something that I'm going to actually purchase um, just because limited funds, but that should be good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the same way on the, you know, limited funds thing, but I was a big fan of the first Alan Wake. I love that DLC. I reviewed the DLC and I didn't play the remaster, but you know, from loving the, that, that first game, I'm excited for the second game, but yeah, I'm, I'm down with it coming out in October. Um, kind of remove the kind of remove a little bit from it is still coming that deluge of games that comes out in the fall, but yeah. it, it's a little bit off that. Yeah, let's get into this showcase stuff here because that's that's happening pretty quickly here on Wednesday. Um, Jim Ryan says he wants to make a statement uh, with this. You know, he wants to let people know like a bank statement, like he yeah. normally is doing. <laughs> um, they did say it's going to run over a little bit, a little bit over an hour. There is going to be new IPs in here. It's not going to just be known stuff. Um, there's obviously going to be stuff from third parties and indies. And uh, they did mention there's going to be PSVR 2 stuff. As much as, you know, both of us may not necessarily care too much about it. I'm sure there's going to be something about one of the live service games uh, as well. So what are, what are some of the things that you think for sure we're going to get in this showcase? Uh -huh. Well, I would love to see Twisted Metal just because they got that TV show coming out. So I think pairing that along something that someone can actually purchase is a major focus for PlayStation right now because they've seen what it's kind of done with Last of Us and, and whatnot. So Twisted Metal, I think they've been working on that for quite a while. Um, we'll see how that goes because it's a completely new studio that has had no history with Twisted Metal as far as I know. Um, I would love to see something for Wolverine other than Logan's back. Yeah. So that would be cool. Like, honestly, just if you have to give me a tone piece, like that's all I kind of need right now. Cause like, I know that they're still working on that. Cause I mean, it's the same, it's like a, a splinter group of, of insomniac working on it. So even if it is just a gameplay tone piece, that's like a CG trailer, I just kind of want to know where you're kind of hitting with Wolverine. Um, and if the metal gear rumors are cool, are, are true, 
I mean, Sony reaching out to Konami and, and whatnot, I can totally see because uh, that's a major brand from a like a Japanese studio. So like that could be kind of cool. So I think that's that's there. Um, but I think my biggest hope, though, is like kind of a return to like a PS1 series, like whether or not that is like Siphon Filter coming back or in PS2 with like SOCOM and whatnot, or even like what's Bluepoint working on? Like is like I know um, Bluepoint uh, Bluepoint had made a comment about Legend of Dragoon like years ago. Right. Is that what they were working on? Or was their Halloween joke last year actually a, a, a thing with Castlevania? I'm not sure. But there's a lot of cool stuff, but I think we'll definitely see what Blue Point is working on. Uh, yeah, I definitely think we are, especially if it's a known franchise, because they're going to want to show that, right? It's going to be exclusive. They're going to be able to talk about that. Um, if it is Metal Gear, I mean, the waves it will make are impressive. You know, oh, another game that Microsoft is not getting on Xbox, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I mean, even then, it's cool that Metal Gear would be back, even though unfortunately, you know, Kojima's not involved. Uh, the fact that you're getting those games on modern consoles would be cool. Um, definitely, we're gonna get some for Spider Man 2. We already know that pretty much. It's their one big game that's coming out this year. Yeah, uh, I'm sure they will do something with the demo for Final Fantasy 16. Uh, if they don't necessarily wait on that for Summer Games Fest when it's closer. Uh, like just announcing when the demo is going to be. I really don't need a big trailer for that. We already had like they have shown so games. much. Yeah, please. But don't. That's, that's part of their their contract with Square Enix right now is to promote yeah. the crap out of their games because they're getting them exclusive. So like I I'm not surprised that that's. Uh, kind of I just how don't want it. it to take up like ten minutes of the the thing. <laughs> no, I mean we'll probably get yeah. like Gran Turismo Seven mo uh, movie DLC so that you can. You can like, yeah, you know, who knows? They'll they'll probably put a trailer for the Gran Turismo movie uh, in that showcase and stuff like yeah. that. Um, like, there's some decent stuff. Like, I don't know. They'll probably show they'll probably show factions and actually see what that's yeah, like. Yeah, I would think so. I'm just not a fan of the brand, really. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, I don't know. I mean, they'll they'll probably try and uh, get some last ditch stuff and probably show it uh the trailer for uh that uh burning shores dlc for horizon just as one last little yeah hurrah of doing that kind of stuff and i think honestly if we get a rockstar logo it's just probably going to be more grand theft auto 5 stuff for yeah. ps5 you don't um, think that they would have something for grand theft auto 6 i don't know i don't know who has the marketing on it and stuff like that of whether yeah. or not um of whether or not uh because i mean Strauss Zenick, I know he's been very like vocal in terms of like comments on about how he says that he hopes the Microsoft deal goes through. So maybe that's Microsoft has, you know, pay them a lot of money for a Grand Theft, a Grand Theft Auto reveal. But I mean, again, it's going to sell more on PS5 just because that's kind of where that brand is kind of represented as being the dominant force. Like it's probably my least, it's not my least used console, but um, I don't play as much as my other ones. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if we're going to get a Grand Theft Auto there. Maybe like a teaser type of thing. Because, I mean, they've already shown like they've already had the leak. Right. So I think going in a site unseen is not as easy right now. So I think they have less less to lose if they command how it's been shown. 
because there's a lot of games and stuff where they were even going to release it or announce it or anything and then it leaks and then it kind of forces their hand where they have to kind of act outside of those leaks so getting ahead yeah. of everything so hard to say i'll be very surprised if uh astrobot 2 is not for the psvr 2 is not one of the psvr 2 things shown just because that game was a huge mover for them as far as getting people to adopt psvr or they 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 put it in with the psvr so when they did those bundles so yeah. i could definitely see them showing that i do kind of hope that if they do the astrobot uh, sequel that it's also non-vr as well I agree because with you the, there one too. That, the one that came with ps5 was fantastic like it had no right being that good uh, um but. it's still one of my favorite games that's come out of the ps5 yes uh, it, it was um it's such a delight it's such a surprise that that's what it was it's like man could we just have a full-blown one of these that's not tied to vr yeah It'd be awesome no there's, there's a lot of cool stuff that they can do for the show like i don't think we'll see a single first party vr title you don't think i so? think okay. it's i think it'll all be third party because that's been kind of sony's mo and i don't think that they've got anything planned really for for vr like I don't know. Like, I want to see Sony do something first party with VR. I just, I just don't know if we're going to see it yet. Yeah, I don't think they are either because a lot of their first party are probably already working on something that was big for PS5 in the first place. Um, what's Ben's working on? Like, are they going to show that? Uh, yeah. You mentioned factions. Um, Wolves. I feel like Sucker Punch is probably working on Ghost of Shiva too, and they they already kind of mentioned that that's not going to be uh, there. Uh, I'd imagine we also going to get something for Stellar Blade as well because they've shown that almost like every time they do some kind of. That's a weird one because yeah. like when it was originally announced, it was multi-platform. Exactly, and then they yeah. apparently it's because they got one of their studios working on them with it, so that's mm. why they were able to make it exclusive. So. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of things they could announce. Um, I, I'm hoping that Final Fantasy VII Rebirth gets something. That would be the thing that would uh, make me absolutely love this showcase if we got a trailer for that. Um, or they confirm that maybe it's coming out in December. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> that's definitely wishful thinking. I, I would probably think it's going to come out more January, February. But hey, they had a crisis cork about in December, so who knows? Uh, but yeah, that's, that's the one thing I'm hoping for, but I, I think we're going to get a little mix of everything because that's how these showcases work. I would put it around like what they've been averaging. I think it was 21 to anywhere from like 19 to 21 games, uh, shown at both the showcases and, you know, they skipped last year. So if we get around 20 games or, you know, 22 games, I think that's good. And. And it'll be give you definitely enough between what's coming this year and what's coming later uh, to get excited about. I think with the PS5, I just hope that everything that we see, PS5 only, and it's not a lot of VR because I mean I think to be fair, we'll see if we're not gonna want a ton of that, but we'll see. Did you comment here? Um, I just gotta take a quick break. Just oh, I was I was gonna go ahead and close, but go ahead. Oh yeah, if you, if you want to do, if I, I can wait around for that. Yeah. Uh so. Just really quick, uh, like as we always end the show, what's coming out this week? Uh, Game Pass is getting some stuff. I've been waiting for Planet of Lana for a while since they announced yeah. it at at uh, Summer Games Fest, I think it was, or the Game Awards, can't remember. 
Uh, so that game's coming pretty soon. I'm excited for that. Uh, also, Cassette Beast. That's out on PC already, but I've been waiting. Yeah, for reviewed it. Consoles. Absolutely oh, fantastic. Absolutely yeah, if, awesome. you're, if you're looking for like the original Pokemon games, but they've evoluted the evolute, like the uh, gameplay has been like the the evolution that you've wanted from the Pokemon games. It's all there. Yeah, it's so oh, fantastic. Awesome! I can't it's wait. Now. Such a good game. Uh, if you are still got Forspoken there somewhere, you can finally play the Intanta We Trust DLC this week. Um, that Lord of the Rings Gollum game is coming out. I don't think that's going to be good, but who knows? Hopefully getting a code, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, Miasma Chronicles looks interesting too, because it looks like a, more of that XCOM that you like as well with some RPG uh, stuff in there. Nice. And yeah. Uh, the, and I was actually looking forward to Evil Wizard, and it, that's like the one thing that's not coming to Game Pass. So we'll see. I might ask for a code uh, for that one. And yeah, man, thank you so much, uh, Jeff, for being on. Uh, hey, no don't, problem. Yeah, don't want to promote yourself. Sure. Really quick, um, yeah. So I run analogstickgaming.com. Um, I mostly do console stuff, but I've been doing some PC stuff, especially with some of the codes that I've been getting, things that I've been able to run on Steam Deck. Um, so the last thing I put out was a review for Shogunners. Um, the next review that I'm putting out right now is Embargoed. Um, I'm not going to say what it is, but it is something that's on that list. Um, and uh, look forward to that. After that, I'm going to be probably putting a review out for Batboy, adding how short it is. I'm hopefully looking to get a review out for Zelda. Um, and also we are, uh, myself and uh, Jordan Andow, who's also a contributor um, on Our Haven. Um, he does some volunteer or some, some writing there as well, too. Uh, we're actually going to be putting out um, a sort of a successor to the previous podcast that we were running, which was the, the G4A channel uh, podcast. So we're going to be having that come out. And that's the, the gaming mix. Um, that's going to be kind of our show and whatnot and, and, and trying to get some guests on there as well, too. So like we would love to have you on as well um, oh, that we're that we are we're kind of in the planning right now of creating like the templates um, the overall focus of the show kind of getting there we've got an absolutely kick-ass opener um, <laughs> that we had done that is later it's basically like an MCU opener but it's all video games oh, that's cool. it is unbelievably cool i found a nice piece of like royalty free music to use on that that is fantastic um it's just in the final stages of getting that prepped and then we're going to have that going out and it's going to be something that we're probably going to do weekly um and that kind of stuff too and we're basically going to be just kind of talking about news and games and what we've been playing and a bunch of stuff um so you can go on to youtube and find uh, the gaming mix on there um there's a there's a few other little things on youtube that kind of say gaming mix but they're all like old outdated things that have not been used some of them are music focused but ours is like the gaming mix because it's kind of a mix of all things gaming so whether it's like tv shows or movies comic books cartoons the video games themselves novelizations things like that everything that is a mix of of everything that that is part of this industry so yeah. that's going to be fun to do um, just because, like, I love being on podcasts. I love talking video games with people and stuff like that, and sharing those kinds of experiences, talking news, talking upcoming stuff. So wherever I can do that. Yeah, well, it was it was great to have you on. Uh, I'm hoping to have Jordan on one of these times. Obviously, the uh, time difference because he's UK, so I'll have to work that out with him. Um, and yeah, he does great stuff over there at Haven as well. Uh, he 
he likes to write about accessibility as well, which is cool because we don't have enough of people writing about that for sure. And well, we'll see y'all next week, whether it's Sunday or Monday, talking about that showcase uh, and whatever else is going on in the gaming world. Until then, everybody, we'll see you later. See ya.